Hey guys, Benjamin here with another movie podcast this week. Joey and I teamed up once again, and this week we're talking about Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. So, obviously, spoilers ahead. So if you haven't seen Star Wars Episode One, I don't know where you've been, but definitely give the movie a watch and then come back and listen to this podcast. Other, if you've already done that, then go ahead and enjoy our discussion on Star Wars Episode One. The Phantom Menace. Episode 1. The Phantom Menace. Turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly battleships, the greedy Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to the small planet of Naboo. While the Congress of the Republic endlessly debates this alarming chain of events, the Supreme Chancellor has secretly dispatched two Jedi Knights, the Guardians of Peace and Justice in the Galaxy, to settle the conflict. Alright, so let's start. So Okay. Star Wars episode one. I don't okay. Okay, so I, I don't know what you expect me, from me uh, when you suggested this movie. That's what I was curious about. What did you expect from me to, to come out from this? Well, what, what, what angle do you expect? I, I guess I don't know if I, ex- I know. Well, I guess here's the angle I expect you to come from. You're, you're somebody who may have understood this movie when you saw it when it came out. Or at least a little bit, understood a little bit more than I did. Because I loved this movie because I was a stupid little kid who saw lightsabers and battle droids and Gungans and was like, yay! You know, like, I didn't really know what was going on, especially not anything that happened with the Senate, okay? And uh, so, it, like, the actual plot did not make, like, like very concrete sense to me, but everything that happened, like, made me happy as a little kid. So watching it again now that i'm older because it actually has been a very long time since i've seen episode one uh i I was actually able to (laughs) keep track of the plot and understand what's going on and start to understand people's motivations behind their actions and it just it this was a completely new movie for me almost (laughs) because i'm older now (laughs) yeah i kind of had a similar experience i remember this movie fondly um because this is this is before i knew that movies could be bad i guess yeah and now looking back on it with a more critical eye um, you start to seize things, right? And, but I don't want to. I don't. Makes you question yeah, well, and we'll get to like what I think of this movie at the end. Let's let's get into it though. So, okay. Uh, sure. Well, one of the first things I noticed because I I because obviously like I'm big in the prequel memes. Like just because oh, yeah. I I haven't like watched this movie front to back in a while doesn't mean you're yeah. not intimately familiar with exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> like I, I recognize different scenes, especially quotes from it. And oh, one of the God. one of the I know one of the big criticisms of this movie is it's very political. And they get they start right off with the politics in the scroll text. Like you can't even oh, yeah. get past the scroll text without hearing about politics. So it's like very big part of this movie. 
Yeah, I'll, and I really want to touch on just like the the blam, like Star Wars, and then like that you know the John Williams score starts, and then the title crawl begins and everything. Man, there's nothing nothing else like that. You know, all there's all these movies uh, that have you know fantastic starts, but Star Wars definitely has the most iconic. You as soon as you see that, you get chills. You know, no matter which movie it is, um, it's just like oh wow, I'm in for a spectacle today. Definitely, like I. <laughs> The, because these movies came out, and I feel like I was too young to really appreciate what was going on. When I went and saw yeah. The Force Awakens for the first time in theaters, and the beep, and everybody loses their mind in the theater, I, I was know. like, "This is awesome." There's no, uh, there's nothing else like this. No. Um, yeah. Okay. So the, the very first scene, right? The very first scene is there's there's they're flying into um, Naboo on the ship and they're stopping in the droid control center i guess one of the battles yeah one of the trade federation yeah trade federation and, like and ships. um something that i i remember when from when I, when I was a kid that i thought was weird was that the captain is a kid right they say captain they refer to the kid in the who's driving the ship as captain wait he's a kid um yeah, he is he's like 12 i honestly didn't realize that he's like he has was... a high pitched voice and everything it's not like it's not like He's a small person or anything. He's, he's literally a child. I was looking at and then, Neeson and I missed that. And then, um, you know, the second scene he's in, he's murdered. So <laughs> this is a great family picture. I definitely, well. no, I, okay, yeah, and we'll get to that too. There's definitely a lot in this movie where I was like, wow, this is a, like a, I, okay, <laughs> is, it, a is it a kid's movie? I don't know. I don't know who this, like, oh my God. <laughs> who is this movie All right, intended so, for? This movie, yeah. Who is this movie intended for? Who is this movie written by? Was this movie written by 80-year-olds and assembled by 5-year-olds? Because that's what it feels like. <laughs> like, I don't understand how it's, like, the structure and, like, the plot and everything about it is, like, really dense, right? Is it, it's, it's for, if it's for kids, it's going to go way over everybody's heads. That language they use is really political and everything, and that's on purpose, and whatever like we can get into that later but the whole like shape of this movie the whole like reason behind this movie feels like a first draft um and <laughs> I, it's baffling honestly so anyway okay all right so i have lots more to say but let's all right, right, right. I, 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 let's not get ahead of ourselves here so yeah. first yeah the, the ship lands the Jedi get off the ship and they're like in this conference room. First right. off, an- another thing I've noticed because this is just reading about this like on Reddit and hearing people talk about it, yeah. the uh, intertextuality that exists in the prequels, where they're basically there's a lot of references to the originals, right? Right. So the the first thing is TC14 looking just like C3PO. I feel like that's like just kind of a, like, hey, look, protocol, protocol droids, droids, you yeah, know, like that they exist. And, uh, and that, I mean, it's like, but it's a different protocol droid, right? But basically yeah. it's just silver three C3PO. I, I noticed that too. And I, um, I think that they do it so much better in this movie than they do in the newer movies. Um, because I think there's stuff that they borrow and everything, but, um, it never, it, it never seems like blatant copying, you know? Yeah. Um, there, cause there's. Because he reuses, like, a couple of the alien textures from the other movies. Like, there's a, a couple Greedo-looking guys. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like, it's all new aliens and, you know, new shapes and everything. Whereas in the, the new movies, Force Awakens and um, Last Jedi, you know, even the ships look the same. So I'm just, uh, you know, I'm a little bit more impressed with the, the world building in the prequels. 
I, I agree. And I, I think that making Star Wars movies that are part of a new trilogy, I guess, is a big opportunity to explore new parts of Star Wars. Because uh, like... I liken it to Harry Potter. Like the Harry mm. Potter Wizarding World is very deep in lore, and there's a lot to explore there. And it doesn't all have to do with Harry Potter. It doesn't have yeah. to be Harry. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff that goes on, and it's they vast. Kind of... and there's a big history and everything. Yeah, exactly. And Star Wars is a lot like that. It's very dense. There's a lot, of, or there's a very, there's a lot of depth there. There's a lot to explore, and it is frustrating when in the newer films they're like, oh, we're gonna stick with what we know like we empire know versus rebel yeah. basically and sith versus jedi and we're gonna not and we're gonna make sure this guy is han solo and that and make sure everything is kind of sticks to the the blueprint instead of kind of explore like really going off and exploring some stuff and, and when Absolutely. we get to it i'll point out examples in this movie where i think yeah they do it and well. i think this is something that all the prequels do extremely well they they kind of expand the universe of star wars and, and not just in the stuff they show you, but the the plot itself, you know, this is a political intrigue movie. You know, this yeah. is something about like the complex inner workings of a government system, which is something you never saw in the the original trilogy. And I think that's that's kind of refreshing, honestly. You know, to say this is a different kind of movie altogether. It's not even the same kind of genre. No, I agree. And and again, like I didn't appreciate that as a kid because obviously, whenever they started talking about. Uh, you know, trade franchises and special sessions. I it is just what you know. Yeah, it's like but whoosh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but when I was, but now I'm I'm a little bit. At least I I know what they're talking about, and it it is intriguing and it's different. And I right. uh, for that I like it. Uh, so also another little bit of intertextuality here between uh, was. Obi-Wan's first line in this movie. Obi-Wan, yes. obviously a character that appears in the original Almost trilogy. every movie. Right. He, yeah, exactly. He says, I have a bad feeling about this. That's his first line. And and when I was a kid, I did not even notice that. I just right. felt like, he's like, oh, he's probably using the force. Like, he's like, oh, I have a bad feeling. But it's like, it's just Star Wars. Like, oh, remember the original movie? Remember this? Okay, so... I actually really like um, the reuse of I have a bad feeling about this specifically. Yeah. Um, not so much when the Jedi use it. Uh, I like it more when the other characters use it, like especially Han Solo, because it's this whole idea that the Force is living in within all of us and that mm-hmm. the Force, when something bad is about to happen, you get a feeling that it's going to happen beforehand and it affects everyone. So I, I think this is like a... Like, I don't know if he's intended this way, but I really like interpreting it as, um, you know, this is something that, like, no one can ignore, almost. Okay, yeah, no, and it's definitely, it's like the first thing that sets in motion, basically, the creation of Darth Vader, you know? So, this is like the first event in the chronology of that. I guess you could really start anywhere, but this is kind of like the first step. This is the first one we see, so. And as far as, like, catchphrases for movies go, I have a bad feeling about this is, like, one of my favorite ones so it definitely is and you don't even know if it's from star wars unless you really know star wars so right right uh so okay so moving forward still tc14 brings in these drinks for them and they drink them without questioning it uh which i for some reason i don't remember that happening but i was like immediately after that they try to poison them and kill them with the gas why didn't they just bring them and they just hold their breath (laughs) they're just like oh no poisonous gas (gasps) oh yeah which that Okay, first off, yeah, bef- right before they do that, when when Darth Sidious tells them tells the viceroy, <laughs> right? To... I have I have all these notes about uh, Palpatine's plan, so 
We can talk about that. Like, okay, well, first off, he tells them to kill the... Uh, what, what were they? They were the... Ambassadors. Uh, ambassadors, that's right. He right. says to kill them. Like, My lord, is that legal? I will I make will... it legal. Yep. <laughs> Every line of Palpatine's is amazing. This. <laughs> I will uh, make it legal. Yeah, I, So I, good. I love Palpatine, which also... Palpatine is chief. such a good villain. Like, I honestly love him as a villain. No, like, he. I, I mean, his his whole arc throughout all of these, and then even in like um, the uh, the Clone Wars show, um, is awesome. You know, seeing him just like slowly build his power up and everything, um, it, yeah, it's it's awesome. And I really like showing his story um, alongside Darth Vader's. Right, it is kind of like honestly, the like the, the the Star Wars prequels and the original trilogy are this. They're definitely the Darth Vader story, but they're low key the. Uh, the Palpatine, Palpatine story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So here's a, a question. How do you feel about uh, Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson? Um, oh, and they're. They're kill- They killed it. They're amazing. Oh yeah. They're definitely the best part of the movie. They, um, they're so good. Ewan McGregor is like probably the best part of all the, all the prequels, but he's, he's just such a good Obi-Wan, you know, and you can kind of see him as the younger version of Obi-Wan, which is great. Um, that was an amazing casting choice. Oh, yeah. And uh, Liam Neeson, I wish he was in more of the movies. I mean, he really does bring a kind of gravitas to the role uh, that yeah, you don't there, really see anywhere else. Right. And there's like a little um, there's a little bit of a balance, I guess, by this movie. We get a lot more Liam Neeson than uh, Ewan McGregor. Yeah. But then obviously there's no more Liam Neeson after this and all Ewan McGregor. But there's right. I wish there was a little bit more Obi-Wan in this movie because the, yeah. the part when we will get to it, but when we get to Tatooine, it seems like a little bit of wasted potential to leave Obi-Wan on the ship. That, I like, wrote the same thing down. Yeah, it definitely does. But, um, okay. So back, back, back. To Another we one were. of my favorite things from the prequels is battle droids. I love yes! the crunching noise they make when you destroy <laughs> them. I love their shape and like the whole idea behind them. It's just like these really easy to manufacture, like, Things with guns that don't even have to be that accurate, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they have to have minds of their own, but like they also are controlled by something, you know. I they're love that. So, yeah, and they're, they're such fodder too. Like one lightsaber <laughs> oh, yeah. versus could, endless battle droids. And you just can just kill. You can just kill thousands of them, and no one feels anything because they're just freaking battle droids. Yes, which is actually a really good way to get around like feeling bad for murdering a lot of things. Oh, yeah. It's like they're just droids; they're not alive. Yeah. Um, but. Yes, there's so much I want to talk about this movie. Um, so, <laughs> speaking of battle droids, so they send the battle droids in to like destroy what's left of them when right. uh, when they after they gas that room. And here's the thing: the Jedi are just holding their breath. Okay, right. they, they could have just left the minute. door. <laughs> they could have left the door closed for <laughs> for like 30 minutes or like an hour, however long they wanted to, <laughs> and the Jedi would have definitely died. But instead, they're like, "All right, destroy what's left of them. Like that's yeah. gonna do anything. Get the janitor to do that." <laughs> but instead, they send in the battle droids, and of course, they get wasted. <laughs> yes, easily. They just stand too close. Yeah, like, I mean, they also like block like bullets and stuff which is freaking sweet with the lightsabers you know right oh i'm not complaining uh, I, logically i'm complaining but for what i saw in the movie like it was so cool to see like the okay what about like, hey, the, did you notice this one part right when they're cutting through the door and then the droidicas show up right yes um they're like where are the droidicas and then they you know they have their shields whatever and then um obi-wan's like they have shield blasters or, or shield generators and then 
they were like, all right, let's go. And then they, like, blast <laughs> off, like, a super speed. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, you literally hear a noise, like, pew! Yeah. And they just, like, run away down the down the hallway, like, super fast. Oh, it's man. Like, was that on purpose? Like, what I, kind of I, weird editing choice was that? I am giggling way too much, but th- that is uh, supposed to be, like, force running. Is it? I, that's what I believe. That's what you I can do that told. in uh, Battlefront, Battlefront Two. So right, and the, the thing is, there's like stuff that they do that they don't explicitly explain. Like right. Jedi later on in the movie, like when they're fighting Darth Maul, like Obi Wan can just miraculously jump super high to get oh, yeah, back onto the yeah, platform. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah, and like, and that's just part of being a Jedi. You know that they right. can just do oh. that stuff. Yeah, or, and Dark or just Ball using too, the Force. Right. Yeah. Right, so right. Uh, I, for me, it was like that was them Force running, and and then because the thing is when the because the droid the Decas or the uh, what are they, what were they called? They had a bit, another name. They're, they're Droidicas or Destroyer Droids. Destroyer Droids, really? Okay. Well, the yeah, the Destroyer Droids. I used to have a little book that had like all the droids from the prequels in it. Oh, like, same a picture though, book. Dude. Same, so I knew I I know all of it. You know, prequels hit me. Were, the prequels were my life when I was a kid, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, but the thing is, like, they roll up, and then they're like, destroyers, and then they try to get out of there, and the droids turn the turn the corner, and then Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are at the very end of the hallway already, yeah. and that's just, it's just force sprinting, force running, force running whatever. Sure. So, uh, I, I think that that is... It's just, like, it's so answer. awkward. Like, that's just, like, a, a really nice microcosm for the whole movie. Just watch that one scene again, where they stand in front of the door, and then they go, and they, like, just... Like disappear. It's like, what's going on here? Anyway, oh, well, well, another thing that I like is the viceroy or like the Trade Federation guys are so easy to like hate. Like when they're oh when, my like, god, I totally yeah. wanted Qui Gon to get through that door. You're totally rooting for him the whole oh, time. Oh yeah, that's definitely true. And they they like there's so many like scenes that just are there to make them look worse. You know, <laughs> like, like, like you already know they're cowards and like they're being manipulated and everything. But like, just like all these scenes where they show up and they're like, "Oh man, like we didn't anticipate this. Like we're so short-sighted and stupid. Like, <laughs> like what's the point of this? Just like you really just wanted to lay it on thick for these guys. Like, <laughs> but I love it. I love it the whole time. Oh my gosh. But um, okay. So yeah. let's get to um, oh, let's get man. to the uh, elephant-eared. Or the rabbit-eared elephant in the room. Okay. Yes. Um, well, <laughs> who, okay. who we meet next? Right. Right. When they when they don't know where the Jedi went and they're like, sir, they went on the ventilation shaft, and <laughs> and then they end up on the planet. Do you know why they split up? Why does Qui Gon suggest splitting up? I don't know. Maybe they get caught or something. I don't, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't really reason. get. Yeah. I was just like, oh, why? But I guess that makes sense later because he doesn't. Because like Jar Jar's there or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then Qui-Gon tackles him. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> Jar Jar is the only thing not running away from the giant destroying things, like the giant right. tanks, you know, all the tanks are coming through the forest, every animal, sentient or not, running as fast as it can away from it. Jar Jar is standing there in the way. <laughs> And uh, that's the first time you meet him. Right. And um, have you heard the, the Jar Jar Sith, Sith conspiracy theory? Oh, yeah. So that is one of the points where you're like, well, obviously he meant to meet Qui-Gon. Because he's, I see. he's like, it's all part of his Sith plan. Uh, well, first off, the, the first thing I noticed when I saw Jar Jar was, like, now that I'm not a little kid in 2000. 
you know, or 1999, uh, Jar Jar, like the, the special effects are not as good back then as they are today. There's definitely times where they're talking to Jar Jar, like Qui-Gon Obi-Wan, and they are clearly looking right through him. You know, he's not actually there. That's, that's right. Just, that's just well, there was a there was. was a guy like he he's modeled off of a guy like there was a guy in a Jar Jar suit, sort of. That, and then they oh yeah, actually, I have stuff. seen that. Yeah, but I don't know. It just it just seemed less like he clearly was computer animated into a shot. Right. When uh, which she was like pasted I, over it. I guess you could complain about any old movie being unrealistic, right? Yeah. But uh, well, actually, okay, right before they did that to kind of explain uh what had happened, the viceroy use their hologram little thing to talk to one of the yellow battle droids, which obviously the ones with yellow paint on them are in charge because obviously, (laughs) (laughs) but for me that when they're the, the viceroy is talking to the, the battle droid, why do they have to do that? Can't they like remote control the battle droids to be like, like type in, like find the Jedi. I guess, I guess you need to know that they're not on the ship anymore, even though (laughs) that is, Except that, you know, Qui-Gon definitely says the scene before, let's get on separate ships, you know, like, just gotta hit that home. That, yeah, yeah, right, because they say that, we, we searched the ship. You'll then. notice that sometimes, like, really important plot points for movies are sometimes repeated two or three times, just to make sure that nobody misses it. Right, um, right. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I thought, I think that's kind of silly, but at the same time, I definitely do miss a lot of dialogue. Um, the first time I watch movies, if I'm not paying close enough attention. So. Sure, sure. And, and, but just for me, it's like these are battle droids, so they're inherently robots. Right. So it's like, I don't know if you – but, I mean, obviously protocol droids you would talk to, but I feel like that's part of what they do is interact with people. I'm like, sure as a computer programmer, this whole movie drives you nuts. <laughs> but, <laughs> why, why would you talk to this – why would, yeah, yeah, why would like, you just like all these levels of communication like you have to make sure it recognizes speech too like why don't you just have it beam the instructions directly to his brain like and what? let's not forget that uh these these uh, viceroy are speaking english which yes. i guess is like the main not not language the, the... their own language don't they have their own language that they speak to each other or is that not i, I don't think so there are other aliens in this movie that speak their own language but not the viceroy they okay. speak english so do those battle droids, but they probably speak a lot of languages. They can just download it. Um, oh, also, one of my favorite things that Qui-Gon did is he totally roasts Jar Jar as soon as he meets him. Oh, my because... God. There's so much Jar Jar roasting in this movie that I never picked up on before. <laughs> yeah, because Jar Jar says something about him being able to speak, and then Qui-Gon's like, the ability to speak does not make you intelligent. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, like, dab yeah. on him, Qui-Gon. Dab <laughs> on his ass. Yes, there's so many good like Jar Jar like like put downs in this in this movie too. Okay, so another part um, that I really like, another part of the world building is the Gungan city. Um, oh yeah, the whole Oto- look of it. Is that yeah, what it's Oto-Gunga. called? Gunga. Oh, um, yeah, I, I think it looks really neat. You know, the underwater stuff, and then like they have to swim there, and they have the you know the whole like bubbles and stuff. Oh, it looks pretty cool. That was really cool special effects, and even that still looked cool today. Was like oh, yeah. the part where they walk through like the force field technology. Yeah, that like. was cool, and they, they come that out times. completely dry. Yeah, which Neat I like stuff. too. Um, right. So th- then they meet uh, Boss Nass, of course. Yes. Um, what a character! Uh, he is a character. I second time I watched it, I had the subtitles on, um, and right at the end when he agrees to give them charger or whatever and he does his uh his yeah <laughs> the subtitles are loud blubbering <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Oh, actually, I I have a really well. <laughs> let's continue. So first things first, Qui Gon is is uh he's always got the Jedi mind tricks in the holster dude, ready. Dude, to he, use. yeah, like that's his second move. His first move is uh trying to convince him. If that doesn't work, just Jedi mind trick him. Like uh, okay, to be fair, <laughs> who who did he first meet? Who's the first Gungan he met? Jar Jar. Jar Jar. Yeah. So he's not going to waste his time. Like, like, <laughs> these guys are all clearly idiots. <laughs> right, this... but like, the the whole idea... Oh my gosh, okay. So the whole idea of like the, the, the Naboo, the Naboo, and the Gungans like form a symbiote cycle, like circle, right? And like one sure. depends on the other. Then the Naboo totally uses the Gungans um, later in the movie. Yeah, and they... Qua- and Qui-Gon totally, you know, mind controls Boss Nass to do his whim in front of him. You know, there's no respect there. You know, he's like, I have the power. Screw you. Your your sense of um, agency is gone. You know, just like, I'm a Jedi. I need to get the job done here. It's not waste time. That's the thing. Uh, I think the Jedi always hold themselves in this positive light where they're saying, we are what's good and everything that we do should be allowed because we're doing it for the greater good. Yeah. And maybe that's not, maybe the Sith have kind of a point. Yeah, know? I think that led to their downfall is that arrogance, thinking that they're always the good. Right. Well, because, yeah, obviously you shouldn't be able to just like roll in and mind control the leader of this entire species just to get a, a transport to the other side yeah. of the planet, right? Like, right? that seems a bit unethical. But, 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 my caveat for that is, oh, actually, it's not even a caveat. I think that that should exist. That it, what just happens, that's just part of what's happening in the galaxy at the time. And I like it because it's different than the other, a lot of the other movies because a lot of the other movies are, it's like, Oh, you're a Jedi, but like you have the minimal training, and you you're just struggling to even understand the Force. In this one, they have their whole life trained and become yeah. very powerful with the Force. So it's cool to see a Jedi like Qui Gon be able to like just you know, casually like, using the Force all the yeah. time. And, and it's well, and they do all this stuff, and it's like, oh, cool. Like we get to see this part of Star Wars where Jedi are like super cops in the galaxy, and they can just right. But I mean, they also powers. abuse their power too. So. Sure, and that gives Especially them the capability to do it. You know, um, and yeah, I and guess. Qui- but, but might makes right. Is that what you're trying to argue? I'm not. What I'm saying is, at least they have might that they can abuse. Because it's kind of frustrating in the other ones where the you know it's yeah. like, oh, I'm a Jedi, but I barely understand my powers, and I'm like, not that so powerful. now I can do whatever I want. Yeah, sure. I well, they, and not all of them do whatever they want, right? But they, uh, Qui- that's kind of what makes Qui Gon Qui Gon, because he's a little bit, uh, he's does, doesn't he doesn't play by the rules. No, he doesn't. Um, and I have several notes on that. Um, so another note about the the Naboo. <laughs> so okay, the the planet's called Naboo, right? Yeah. I assume like the whole system is called Naboo, right? Mm. I mean, that, normally that's kind of like that, right? They have the systems are named after their planets. Anyway, all the, would all the planets be called Naboo? I mean, usually there's only one, but I mean, I guess there could be more than one. I don't know, but the people who live on the planet are also the Naboo. Yeah. So, like, you never see that in any other movie, right? But you also don't see, a di- like, a differentiation between species. So, I don't know, it just... Ever since I was a kid, it bothered me. I was like, <laughs> who, the Naboo? Like, who's the, the, the Naboo? I thought the planet was Naboo. I guess well, it's... I think that a big part of this like intergalactic senate is that there's different cultures, different societies, and they're kind of not questioned because if you spent all day questioning other societies, you'd never get to all right. Of the societies. That's just that's a semantic question, I guess. Is is my 
Well, because point. one of the other things I noticed about that's like the that the Naboo do that I don't think most of the other aliens do because they are technically aliens because they're from a different planet, right? Yeah. Uh, that they they make their queen wear hella makeup all the time. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> and, and and that there's no problem with that, but it is a thing they do, and everyone else is just like, okay, that's what they do, which allows them to disguise anyone they want as the queen. That's true. She's wearing enough makeup, and it's like a low key good way to protect their queen, but also it's unquestionable culture from the Naboo and right. and that's cool I think it's it's like their own little thing that they do that's a good defense I like that okay um okay let's talk about the the the, the uh, journey through the core a little bit um so the, they bring um uh, I have in my notes that uh, Jar Jar is um as is to navigating as um the Jedi are to negotiating in that they do none. Right. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> Jar Jar does not help at all. No, he's so useless. He had, there's two points where he is useful, and neither of those parts points are because he is Jar Jar, is because he's a Gungan. Okay. And then the fir- the f- not, who was the first the f- one? The first part is when they uh, they take him to the city so that they can actually get across the planet to... Right to the queen, right? The second point is when um, they recruit the Gungan army to um, f- help fight the Battle of Naboo. Right, right. Um, well, but, and, yeah. You know, and let's not forget the reason why Jar Jar was banished, right? Is because he's clumsy? Right, but he, he, he kind of explains that, right? He has, like, a couple stories about crashing he, stuff. Well, right, and he says it so vaguely and in, in like, Gungan jargon that you really learn nothing about yeah. it. No. And that's, that's why... They, that's another claim to why Jar Jar is definitely a Sith because when he walks in, they're immediately like, okay, you're under arrest and you're probably going to die now. You, know, you should not have come back here because you definitely killed people last time because you're a Sith. <laughs> they don't say that explicitly. They say, you and you and big doo-doo this time. Right. But, but they, like, they, that, like, in right, the theory, that's, that's, that's what it is. That's a Gungan for you. You're definitely a Sith. Yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, he so they never explain exactly what he did because they're leaving it up in the air because Jar Jar is definitely a Sith. So sure. That's, uh, he's not, he's not. George Lucas, uh, he chickened out because everyone hated Jar Jar so much. But the, I like you. Point, I like that you are, uh, like, really fixing, fixing on, uh, fixating on this, but I definitely don't subscribe to the Jar Jar's a Sith theory. <laughs> um, he is definitely just as, as, as he is. Like, he's just a I know there's a, I know there's a lot of coincidence and there's a lot of things that point to it, but no, he's he's definitely just a useless pile right. of. Well, well, I will Jar-Jar. point it out whenever I have a note about it. But that was Good. another example of it. Okay, also, so they're going underwater in the Bongo, right? Yeah. And uh, in Obi Wan, who Obi Wan is a decent pilot throughout Star Wars, like at least Absolutely. in the prequels. So it makes sense that he he can, flies a lot of stuff. Yeah, he can pilot the Bongo, and the fish down there love eating ships. <laughs> you know. <laughs> anything comes down there but there's I always guess. a bigger fish right which dude it's oh, there's always a bigger fish or there's always that one bigger fish that saves us <laughs> twice <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the one that's like a giant like thing with arms that can live underwater like that doesn't well, seem like the most efficient way to get around okay well here's the thing star wars did an amazing job of merchandising this movie because as I'm watching it, I kept being like, oh, my God, I had that toy. Like, not only did I have a bongo toy, but I also had a bigger fish toy. I did had really? that thing with the arms. Yeah. 
That's so it, funny. It came like in a little set of like, I don't know, like toys that you're supposed to bring in the pool. And it was, it was the little bigger fish. Yeah. Is that what it's called? The bigger fish? You're like, get the That's bigger how- fish expansion. <laughs> Collect them all. There's always a bigger fish. <laughs> Bye now. But yeah, Deus Ex Bigger Fish totally saves the day Deus for Ex. the bongo twice. Um, there is a note in uh, the trivia uh, about merchandising saying that um, George Lucas made a similar deal as he did with um, the first Star Wars he made in that he would forego his salary as a director um, if he owned uh, the entirety of the toy and commercial tie-ins. Genius. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> he knew what he was doing. I, does Yeah, I guess he does know what he's doing, but does, I mean... What was his intention with this movie, I guess, is my... Ah, I get you. I get you. Um, so, anyway, they get up there, right? Right. Yeah, okay. Okay, so, okay. to note on the um, the, the capturing thing, uh, or, uh, sorry, not on the on the dress, dress situation for the queen, um, she has a specific dress for when she gets captured. Uh, it's a different dress than the one she was wearing in the previous scene uh, when they actually get, like, they actually invade. Yeah. Um, and actually, I think that's that's not her. That's supposed to be a decoy. Okay. I mean, Which that makes sense. That was like a pretty big interesting. Part of their, and uh, yeah, yeah, the whole operation was based on makeup. So. Which uh, yeah, I thought was clever. I liked that little twist. Although yeah, it's I didn't definitely understand a, it as a kid. No, it's definitely a deep thing that you'd have to kind of watch several times to to get. So. Um, but also when they're when they're talking with the queen, like the uh, viceroy is trying to convince her to sign the treaty so, right. they, can get it, so they can get it ratified by the Senate. Again, yeah. you know, little kid Benjamin watching this, I was like, huh? Right. <laughs> what does that have <laughs> to do with anything? Mean? I mean, nothing, but... Yeah, so, oh man, this goes back into Palpatine's plan. Like, yeah. um, so, jeez. It, it kind of escalates, right? So the first thing he does, he sends the Jedi. Oh no, he doesn't send the Jedi. I thought at first he does, but he's responding to the Jedi being sent in. The Jedi are sent in by um, Chancellor Valorium. Yeah. And um, he's not happy with that. So he says, attack Naboo um, and force them to sign a treaty. um, And that will force the queen to appeal to the Senate, uh, which will enact a vote of no confidence. Yes. Um, and then, and then because Naboo is the one being attacked, and because nobody knows Palpatine is behind it, Senator Palpatine will get the sympathy vote and eventually get become Chancellor, which is the, his entire road to power in this movie. Yes. Um, right. So he has to like, so like the the treaty is like a key part of this, and he talks about the treaty several times, even as the the Emperor, right? When he's in the hood, when he's the Sith Lord, and he's talking to his viceroys. Uh-huh. Um, he mentions the treaty too, um, because apparently that's a really big part of his plan. I mean, yeah, definitely is. Right. Oh, definitely. And it, yeah, and I guess as a kid, it's like you totally miss that. Uh, right. At, yeah. at the same time, I think there's definitely a certain part of this, a certain aspect of this movie that was like not for kids. I guess they were just like. Kids are definitely not going to understand that, but they're going to like seeing Jar Jar and then lightsabers, so it, we're, it's chill. Right. And, and mean, they're going to they're going to buy guess. the they're going to buy the bigger fish toy, so we're, we're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, we got them. <laughs> yeah, um, hook hook line and sinker. Yes, and, I mean it's already Star Wars, right? Kids already loved you know Wookies and oh, Ewoks man. at this point. So, um, 
Okay, right. so the next yeah. next scene I want to talk about is uh, Qui Gon, uh, the rescue of the pilots right before they leave Naboo. Yes. Um, they have all they have the entire posse with them, queen and pa- handmaidens in tow. Yes. Um, and Qui Gon walks straight up to one of the droids and is like, "I'm going, I'm going to Coruscant," and they're like, <laughs> "What?" <laughs> this, no, this is what they're like. They're like. Uh, that doesn't compute. You're under arrest. <laughs> like this battle droid, you know, runs like like calculation dot exe. Right. Returns void. <laughs> and and then he t- like instead of doing like instead of shooting, he's like he points at him. You're under arrest. Right. And, and then Qui Gon goes to his um you know the third thing on his list. First thing is try to negotiate. Second thing is mind control. Third thing is lightsaber. <laughs> so. He just takes him out, you know? Like, I guess, yeah. And luckily Boring the conversation. battle droids only aim at people holding lightsabers instead of anyone else. Right, instead so. of the pilots that they're holding hostage, you know? Yeah. It's like, I'm going to shoot them. It's like, no, you're not. Like, boring conversation anyway, I guess you could Which say. Which I guess you could just be like, eh, they're stupid battle droids, but very stupid battle droids. They're, you know, they're yeah, and that's and shoot only. And that's actually played to comedic effect in um, the Clone Wars, the animated show. Um, that was on Cartoon Network. The, yes. The bow droids are always um, like comedy relief. They're always like making jokes and stuff, being dumb. Which okay, they definitely are. <laughs> All right. So now um, they get into the ship and they they run the blockade, right? Yeah. Um, and this this impenetrable blockade. I, do they, they? I think they actually say that, don't they? Because uh, the blockade is complete. Um, it's like surrounded the whole planet and everything. Yeah. Well. And the, 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 the thing is, the way I see it is it's it would be hard to get out. It, it, the, the thing the blockade was doing was uh, stopping them from getting, like, supplies, right? Right. What was the blockade stopping? Right. It was a trade dispute. Right. right? So, so, yeah. I cargo think it would be ships, hard to get cargo in and out because, obviously, if you have cargo, you're like, I'm not going to expose my cargo to blaster fire. But in this right. case, they were like, if we just shoot through, maybe we'll make it. And they almost don't. Remember? That's they true. do get hit. They need uh, to... they need magic R2, D2 to, to make it through. The, Which... The most amazing droid in the galaxy. He definitely is, though. There's no denying that. And no. I... As... Because, again, when I saw this for the first time, I was like, it's just Star Wars. R2-D2's in all the Star Wars. So, obviously. But I'm sure as a person who saw the original and then saw this, they're like, ah, I remember R2. I remember. That's actually... I really like that character introduction for R2. Where, like... No, I think it's solid. I definitely think it... (laughs) We're losing droids fast, and they're just being blasted off. Like, and R2's up there for longer than any of them are, like, by twice as much, and he totally fixes the thing. And he's just like, boop, 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 and rolls away you know that's r2 for you there he goes Un- unkillable um uh, yeah okay the, the next uh, my next favorite line in the movie is when the viceroys are talking to palpatine and darth maul appears and they're like now this is getting out of hand now there are two of them i wrote that down too dude i love that <laughs> i actually saw a prequel meme and it was uh and it was like december th- it was december like 30th or yeah. like december 29th and it was like when you're looking at how many days are left in 2017 and it's like this is getting out of hand now two of them like even though there's only three prequels prequel memes will never run out of material because there's just so much stuff in these movies yeah. that's meme worthy oh my gosh but um yes no that was a great line very memorable and then right after that uh well actually 
Darth Maul. Now that we've gotten to Darth Maul, I Darth Maul. love Darth Maul. One of my favorite Sith. And he is yeah. criminally underutilized yes. in the sequels. Very criminally. much so. Um, and he actually does come back in the Clone Wars uh, TV show with robot legs. Yes, and um, his brother, Savage. Sa- Sa- Savage Opress, it's how it's pronounced, actually. I thought Not it was hashtag Savage. Okay. Hashtag Savage, Savage, hashtag Opress. <laughs> but, yes, uh, love Darth Maul. He has a cool voice, too, because I actually don't yeah. remember him ever talking. Yeah, I thought he didn't have any lines, but he has a couple, so. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. has a cool character design, and his lightsaber is awesome and everything. Um, yeah, he's. I, I wish that he had more to do, uh, but. Definitely, I mean, he's in two, my so. top. He's definitely my top five Sith. Top Maybe five top Sith. Four. Yeah. Wow. Okay. What's that list like? Uh, well, <laughs> definitely for me at least, Darth <coughs> Vader's number one. He's like the best, and then probably number two would be Darth Maul. It's hard to really? say. May- well, no, I think Sidious has to be number two, just because he's. he's I, legit I would put Sidious number one, honestly. And then. Uh, I think maybe I didn't prepare this list before, so okay. I don't know. You'll have uh, to fly. I would probably, I guess, I would put Darth Maul third. Um, Can Dooku get uh, the, at the bottom of this pile? No, no, the bottom of the pile is definitely Supreme Leader Snoke. <laughs> so he's he's the worst. Is he even a Sith? That's a whole another conversation. Oh yeah, but okay, that is a whole other conversation. I, I'm okay. get, we're getting out on a tangent here. Yes, uh, but Darth Maul confirmed awesome. Yes, I, I'll concede that for sure. Um, okay, so there's kind of a question about like focus in this movie, and that's uh-huh. um, who is the main character? Um, and my best guess is Obi-Wan, um, because you follow him for a majority of the movie. He has a nice kind of arc becoming the, the Jedi Master at the end, um, and then you know learning a lot from uh, Qui-Gon as well, you know, about the living force and stuff, and, you know, Stuff like that. What would you say? I I I think it's hard to say. There's one main character, but like I, for me, it's Qui Gon. Because you spend mm. way more time with Qui Gon on Tatooine than you do with Obi Wan. Like Obi Wan goes away for so long. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I kind of just see him has more of a a secondary, or like a, a supporting character, honestly. Um. Uh, although you do follow him for the majority of the movie. Um. I do, well, I do feel like that the prequels are about Anakin. Right. But, but you but don't see one, him until halfway through the movie. So, right. And even then, you know, he's not, he doesn't have that many scenes. He is important, he's though. He's very important in this movie as oh, far he, as progressing the plot. Definitely or, or, know he's perfect. You know, he definitely know he's important. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, okay. Yeah. Um, so let, let, let's get right back to it. So after the conversation about with Darth Maul and the sure. fact that there are two of them, the they're in the ship in the, like the throne room of the ship and the queen queen with uh, you know an asterisk because she's not actually right. the queen she's comm- she's saying she's thanking r2d2 to R- she's talking straight at r2d2 and thanking him and saying like you should be commended for your bravery and i know that r2d2 everyone talks to r2d2 and he's like an actual character here but sure. are droids sentient are they worth oh man commending <laughs> Are you I was afraid we we're gonna get to this. Can you? Can a droid be brave? And you know, as a result, can other droids be like cowardly? Well, C three PO certainly is. Um, you see that in the original trilogy a lot of how him calculating the odds and things, you know, and like be like you know, being a, a coward basically. Right. Oh, um, definitely. 
there's a lot of like evidence toward droid sentience, which yeah. also implies droid slavery. <laughs> right, because now the the battle droids who clearly talk and like you know are funny and right. can get confused and stuff, murdered are by we them thousands. Yeah, thousands of sentient robots that like especially at the end that giant massacre they seriously. all just turn off. So yeah, uh, I don't I don't know the answer to that, but like it definitely that's something that Star Wars kind of dances around a lot. Um, that scene is obviously there to make sure you know that that's R two D two. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, no other droids ever get recognized for the stuff they do. Um, it's just R2. <laughs> well, and then I love how the queen, the not actually the queen, but the disguise, the, the decoy, yeah. says, uh, here, my handmaiden, who is the real queen, right, okay. clean this droid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I hope that's true. But, okay, the, but, but Padme is played by, um, what's her name? Natalie Portman. Right. And the Queen is also played by Natalie Portman, which was a source of confusion for me up until I watched it this week. <laughs> I never <laughs> understood. There were scenes in there that were like, why is she... Wait, is that the same character? No. Wait. What? And um, they have, like... There, there is a subtle difference. Like, there is something they do to her voice, according to the trivia. Yes. Um, to make sure that they're different. But I... I, I up until this, this week, I didn't know that... Padme and um, the Queen were played by the same actress, um, and that they're supposed to be different characters, because I thought they were the same. Um, yeah, no, it's it's wildly confusing. It's so confusing, and uh, like just really not done that well. Like they had Kira Knightley. Okay, so they had Kira Knightley on set to play the decoy because she looks so much like Natalie Portman. I mean, that's even like there's even a meme about that. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but they look enough. A, there's enough of a difference there, right, that you could have them be together and just be a really good decoy. You don't need to have her play her own decoy, right? That's just making things more confusing. Wait, so Keira Knightley doesn't play the decoy? Keira Knightley does play the decoy, but not... I don't know if she does in that scene. Um, there's a couple of scenes that she's definitely in. Um, but I don't know about that one. Well, the, the thing is, when she, she does play... Okay, so, like, the decoy is, the like, acting as the queen. And yeah. the, 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 the decoy says, does she say Padme? She says Padme, right? That's yeah, the name of she like, does say Padme Queen Amidala, uh, like, when she's disguised as a headman. Okay, she says, Padme will, like, clean But no, she's not, right? Is Padme the queen? Or is Padme a, a... At that point, Padme is a handmaiden because she no, no, she's no, cleaning like, Is R2. Padme the queen? Yes, she's both Queen she's Amidala not? and she, Queen she Amidala. Is? Okay, listen, Queen Amidala is Padme. Okay, Queen Amidala. We'll, we'll refer to Queen Amidala when she is like acting as the queen. That's Queen Amidala, and when she's Padme, she's the handmaiden, right? And Kira you're blowing Knight- my mind right now. I'm Kira so confused. Kiera Knightley is, is the, the decoy. decoy. So I'm so Kira confused. Knightley is sitting on the throne, telling R two D two, "You're a brave robot, and you should be commended." And, and Queen Padme. And then Queen Amidala slash Padme, who is a handmaiden, go clean that standing droid. So, so Kira Knightley is like, "Hey, Padme, you're the queen." But that's that's gotta be evidence that you're wrong, though, right? Why would she do that? Because it's stupid. Here's why. Here's exactly why this happens. Because then, when she's cleaning R two, she meets she meets Jar Jar, 
And she's cleaning R2, and she talks to Jar Jar. And Jar Jar's like, Misa, this or that, you know? Right. And she, she's like in that part of the ship. She's and like, yeah, and I'm Padme. Right. And that's the whole point of, I think, making her clean the robot. But I, I would be like, all right, bitch. Like, you, I get to let you pretend to be queen, and you're going to make me clean this filthy robot? Yeah, like, that doesn't make any sense. She's obviously not the queen. But... That actually is a good disguise, though. It's like, oh, she's okay, clearly I, not. Padme is clearly not the queen disguised as a handmaid. I, we're because why would we I don't know what's going on anymore. What's even real? Like, <laughs> who is the queen? Who's the decoy? What's Padme? And like, is, okay, gosh, oh, I don't know. I don't know anymore. Like, so. <sighs> All right, okay. ready? You're no, ready. I'm not ready. Padme <laughs> is the queen, right? Yes. Yes. Always. No. Well, yes, always, always. Not There's always dressed like it, but she so, always so, is. Right. So, Natalie Portman is playing, is always playing the queen. Yes. She's always, she's the same character throughout the movie. She's not playing two different characters. Correct. Okay. And then Kiera Knightley. That's what I got confused in about. In the movie, plays the decoy who right. pretends to be Queen Amidala, who is played by Natalie Portman. Right. Okay. I got you now. Which, so, so this so the queen right here is evidence as to why this this like, is not well done at all. Like, some shit and I'm I, I was I'm even more confused than I was a few minutes ago. Um, so that means the queen goes to Tatooine, and that means yes, Padme, the queen of Naboo, in disguise as her in, in disguise self. as a handmaid, goes along right. with Qui Gon, which is why. Okay, we will talk about that because is this? Did you seriously not that, like that? No, I, a lot? I no, I'm not. I, I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> yeah. When I was a kid, I was like, this is so confusing. Like, who's the queen? Who's the decoy? I just kind of like, went with it because it didn't really matter. And then this time I looked on IMDb and I was like, oh, the queen and Padme are two different people. And Kieran Knightley's playing herself as decoy. Now you're telling me that's all wrong too. Right. No, Kieran Knightley plays Sabe. No, okay. Who right. is one of the handmaidens that yeah. becomes the decoy queen. <sighs> I guess that's how you pronounce it. I'm just looking at IMDb. I do not know how you actually pronounce it, but it looks like Sade. I, right. yeah. I don't know. All right. Can we move on? Because I yes. totally lost me. My brain is melting. Okay. But we'll get to that. Because uh, I will reference this again because it is important. Okay. But, so, yeah, she cleans it, whatever. I just thought it was silly that they made the actual queen in disguise yeah. clean R2. It is silly. But, you're totally right. Okay. So, you said you watched this movie twice with subtitles and without. Yes. I only watched it with subtitles because I always watch movies with subtitles. When Watto talks, when you don't have subtitles on, are there subtitles that say what he's saying in his alien language in English? Okay, so I don't. When I remember watching this as a kid, and it, it did, but because I was watching it through VLC player, I don't think the subtitles were activated. So I had to turn them on um, to see them. Because when I watched it as a kid, I don't remember seeing uh, any subtitles for. So alien you never knew languages. what he said. I but definitely. You could, you could okay. kind of assume what he said right. based on what. Anakin would say in response, and you know, all aliens were speaking their alien language and they would it's, be responded it's to. In hut ease. Is that really what it's called? Yes. Hut ease, as in Jabba the Hut. Right. Because I'm a Jabba the Hut. Of course, they had to include him in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. And because yeah, obviously, why would they make this movie without him? And right. I mean, I, every movie has to have Jabba the Hut. I mean, he's the most <laughs> memorable character. Well, and they are returning to Tatooine, which is like you know, his using, place. reusing a place. But I do like how they explore Tatooine a little bit more in depth and kind of, yeah. And, um, yeah, definitely. And you kind of, every time you go to Tatooine, I mean, you go to Tatooine three different times throughout the movies. 
um, and it's a different place every time. So uh, always sand, but uh, different settings. So like confirmed, there are always subtitles for Watto that say what he says. Because also maybe I was just a stupid kid and I just didn't. I don't. It. I don't know. I I can't confirm or deny that. Um, okay. Okay. But uh, subtitles. There are things he says that are subtitled. So. Okay. Well. Okay. So then we get straight into Qui Gon <laughs> reaching back into his bag of tricks and trying. Oh, no, to... No. Before we just forget the time, I want to talk about the first lines Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader says in Star Wars trilogies. Uh, are you an angel? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I wrote down uh, uh, next stop exposition station because he spends the next five minutes explaining his whole backstory to um, the queen uh, yes. that I just discovered. Yes. And she says, are you a slave? And he says, I'm a person and my name is Anakin, uh, which is one of the my favorite of part of readings of any line in any movie ever because of how bad it is. <laughs> Gosh. Well, Poor Jake he, Lloyd. <laughs> he honestly does feel pretty confident about being a slave, though, because now that I have the subtitles, later when he's talking about Sebulba, uh, Sebulba was like, I, I'd, like, squash I'm, you if you yeah, were a slave. I'm actually, like, he's not, like, Watto really isn't that, he's never shown to be, like, a cruel slave master, right? You know, no, he, kinda, he, even, he lets him go home and, like, you know, has random chores. He lets him build stuff in his shop and everything. He seems like, he just seems like a nice guy, generally. He's like, yeah, clean the racks and then you can go home. He's yeah, like, that's, yippee! <laughs> yippee! That's his favorite, like, explanation. Excla- exclamation? Yes. Word. Um, so, yeah. Okay, what, what's your opinion on Jedi Mind Tricks not working on Watto's race? Only muddy. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a meme before I knew what memes were. That's something my dad always says. Um, <laughs> he's like, Jedi Mind Tricks don't work on me. Only money. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't... I mean, it's definitely a convenience to the plot, uh, and it's nice to see Qui Gon run against, run up against a, a, something that doesn't work, right? I mean, you yeah. can see him like itching to use the lightsaber, but <laughs> <laughs> step three, Qui-Gon use lightsaber. Just... Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> this is so everything funny. I learned. You know, like uh, thirty years of Jedi school taught me. Um, <laughs> negotiate, negotiate my Jedi tricks, my trick, lightsaber. lightsaber. <laughs> Then uh, that doesn't work. Try literally anything, including try recklessly gambling. <laughs> try reckless gambling will pay off. Trust me. Uh. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't. Uh, I don't have any opinions about uh, about Watto's race. Um, well, because I've also heard that as like a plot hole, but it's also. I mean, it's Star Wars, right? You know, maybe that is a thing. Maybe any excuse to get to pod racing. Honestly, I will give any yes. excuse to get to pod racing. Yes. So. Um, okay. So yeah, now we're, oh yeah, remember throwback uh, when they meet, like, okay, so they go to the, to Anakin's house, right? And they meet and C-3PO. meet his mom. And meet C-3PO. It's like, oh, I remember C-3PO. <laughs> Which, okay, so I have such a, a huge, like, question about this, right? So Anakin builds C-3PO. You see Anakin building, he builds that pod, which is not like any other pods, right? Yeah, um, it's so it's faster. So, yeah, which is crazy. Um, and, uh... He, he, like he, he has all this stuff that he's built obviously he's like you know he's a designer he's an engineer whatever um but c-3po looks just like every other protocol droid so is c-3po like a, a kit or is he come with instructions like why if he builds this this thing right why does he look just like every other protocol droid maybe it's like building a computer and it's just like 
you you get all the parts. Yeah, it's know. the same. Yeah, it's like not every part is the exact same part. That's <laughs> you get, you go to uh, like, protocol droid my protocoldroidpicker.com yeah. and it tells you what all the parts are um, are compatible. Like sure, make sure well, I mean, this left. Make sure you get the left arm with this right arm. It won't fit together otherwise. Sure, I mean because obviously a lot of robots in Star Wars look like each other. So maybe he just built this one himself out of spare parts he found at Watto's. I don't know. Maybe that's true, and that's because it's clear that like protocol droids are a genre of droid. So maybe he just, you know, maybe he saw a you know a protocol droid. He's like, this will be 14. this will be useful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. wasn't it for his mom? Yeah. So, like help his mom around the house. Or shores. So, yeah. You know. Even though he's just always off. So. Well, yeah, and he took his eyeball out, even though it works perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> whatever um but but c-3po the thing is though as much as of a like oh look at c-3po kind of moment yeah. it was he was classic c-3po he oh yeah he, he's like, always the same he, he was like i'm not sure this floor is level, i mean that's, you know what's his name who plays c-3po he's the only one who is in every oh well, not every i think actually that's still true he's the only guy that's been in every star wars movie oh really only yeah. actor has been in every star um anthony daniels He's the only one. He's the only actor that's been in every Star Wars movie. And also, it is funny when he realizes he's naked. Like, hilarious. <gasps> My parts are showing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then he doesn't. He never gets them until the next movie. Um, yeah. So here's actually a part that I really like. Um, that I remember super well from when I was a kid. Um, is when they're having dinner yes. at um Anakin's house. Uh, right before. Right. Well. Yeah. Um. He say he uh, talks. He's talking to Qui Gon. Anakin is, and he says, "I saw your laser sword. Only Jedi's carry that kind of weapon. Perhaps I killed a Jedi and took it from him. I don't think so. No one can kill a Jedi. I wish that were so." Yeah, that that is that's. A, a, I like that line too. Really nice. I I like that a lot. And foreshadowing um, Qui Gon's own death. Too. That's true. And um, yeah, it, it shows kind of how like the, the role of Jedi in the universe is like these ultimate protectors, you know, the, the knights of the realm, you know, invincible to the common man. Um, and, you know, but but from Qui-Gon's point of view, they're just humans, just like everyone else. That is nice. And a little bit like of good dialogue thrown in here. <laughs> Absolutely. And Which, well done by uh, Jake Lloyd. That is, Yeah let's commend him where we can and uh <laughs> the one of the other things they talk about at the dinner is about slavery and yes. again this is totally lost on me as a kid but apparently all slaves have a device implanted in them so that right. if they try to escape they will anakin like slaps the table <laughs> they'll blow them up it's Explode. like um, just like in suicide squad yeah um that's really grim it <laughs> is pretty just, grim we kind of glaze over that. He's like, yeah, if we run away, we'll explode. But do you, have you heard about pod racing? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. What's not, what's not doing on that too long? Um, Which, again, I guess kids movie. But I was like, man, that is heavy for a kids movie. Right. I mean, it's definitely uh, helpful. I do like the slavery bits, too. They just kind of explain where, like their place in society and everything. And um, what things are like outside of the Republic of the Republic. Yes. Right. It kind of gets a little bit, uh, makes the Star Wars a little bit bigger, you know? It says, ah, oh, the Republic isn't everywhere. Republic, all the good that we see in some places, it's not distributed evenly. Well, yeah, and, and the Outer Rim is kind of its own Wild West 
because when they go to the pod racing thing, the the announcer guys there talk right. about it's like we've got the best racers from like all the parts of the outer rim, you know? Yeah. Well, no, no, they they talk about how people have come from all parts of the outer rim to watch the race. Right. And I think that's you know. So that's yeah, good. is Tatooine in the outer rim? Because that also is kind of a, a problem for me because they left Naboo, which is in, which is definitely within like the regions of the Republic, uh-huh. and then they, then they go to the outer rim to Tatooine. Um, which is f- closer than Coruscant, which is also, it's got to be the capital, right? That's where the Senate is, in the yeah. Jedi Temple. So why would, is Coruscant farther from Naboo than Tatooine is? Apparently, right? I guess so. It just, maybe they went in the opposite direction, because that is, that was closer, you know? I don't know. That doesn't seem to make sense to me, but whatever. Their hyper, dude, their hyperdrive was leaking. What were they supposed to do? I'm at a loss for that. You bring up a that song. I mean, they never show me a map, you know, so I I can only assume never show that what they did is logical. Fair enough. Okay. Um. Yeah, I want to talk about Qui Gon's moral compass here, right? Um. So he's he's like, oh, I'm in this sticky situation, um, you know, that I created by going to this planet by choosing Tatooine, um, and nobody else is selling hyperdrives. Might as well send this eight-year-old to the most dangerous like racing tournament of all time where multiple people die every race <laughs> well he's done it before this kid has he's yeah. just never ever finished never so finished. let's let's definitely bet it all on him yeah but everything including the ship you know and all the people that are on the ship whatever they'll live a tattooing you know that's not a problem well Karyon is so confident in it do you think in the back of his head he's like I still have a lightsaber. Like at the end of the day, maybe maybe he's still got plan, plan plan C in his pocket. <laughs> he's just like this is plan yeah this is plan A. Plan B is lightsaber everyone because they're not gonna be able to stop me. But it never has to come to that, so we don't know. But no. okay, so here's here's another example though. Did you notice how consistently while they were mm. while Qui-Gon was being reckless on this planet, uh, Padme kept being like the queen would not approve. And Qui-Gon right. kept being like, the queen's not here. But she's the queen! So it's like kind Yeah, of she cool. should have... If she really was the queen, why didn't she say something? Like, Because she, the re- the thing is, her... She, is he not in her employ? Like, No, but the whole thing is, she didn't want anyone to know that she was the actual queen. The whole point of it is right. to protect her. I guess. But she's also Padme, and apparently Padme is very hands-on. So she doesn't... She do, like, As all she, queens are. Right, I get. Well, that's I, the thing is, I think that's what sets her apart, though. She kept she very she apparently cares for her people a lot, and she does things herself. Yeah, I mean, she does it the whole time. So that's just who she is, and I, I think she's a very unique ruler in that way. Absolutely, Especially, and, I, and which she's works, definitely one of the stronger female characters in you know yeah these stories. And, and it, it it works with the way that her royalty conceals the identity of the queen behind uh, so much makeup. So it, it helps her. So I, I think it's kind of cool. And it's it, and she, even though she is frustrated with Qui-Gon and she wants to, she's expressing her own uh, disagreement with what he's doing, yeah. Qui-Gon keeps being like, ha-ha, but the queen ain't here, so you can't do anything about right. it, even though she actually is. Yeah, like, like the queen doesn't have to know. Exactly, like, yeah. Really? Yeah, I I don't know. I've, I've seen some sort of uh, uh, theory that Qui-Gon is a gray Jedi, uh, that he kind of rides the line between good and light, and you definitely see that in this movie. There's a lot of stuff that he does. Where you're like, that's like that's the solution you came up with. Like, 
you know, he definitely seems reckless to me. No, I agree with that. Although, now that I understand that more after seeing it this time, I like him even more. I think mm. it gives him so much personality and uniqueness that just that's what makes Qui-Gon Qui-Gon. Right. And notice how he can't do that forever. Nope. <laughs> but but anyways, um, so one of the other things that's really cool about Tatooine is the culture there regarding gambling. How yeah. gambling is life on Tatooine, which I think is really cool. You know, it's like that, that, like while Tatooine is also the land of like slavery, it's also the land of re- reckless gambling. Sure. And that is a fun aspect, I think, of it. And it's it's because this whole thing is a gamble. The, to get off this planet, they have to win this unlikely gamble. Yep. And uh, I, I thought that, that was cool. Yeah, um, it's definitely an interesting aspect. You know, it kind of gets into the culture, I guess. Um, yeah, I didn't have anything about that. But uh, they do they do uh, exchange a low five deal, Watto and... Um, I actually made a note about that, too, because we talked about this in the last podcast about real life spilling into star wars yeah and in real life if you made a gamble what would you do to seal it you'd shake hands you would definitely shake hands but maybe in star wars that's just like the intergalactic symbol of because maybe not everybody has hands so what right. you do is you slap appendages together yeah and there you go you've done it so, <laughs> slap <it> appendages <laughs> because yeah nobody... <laughs> you know, you know, i hope might... that, i hope that's you... true you might make a gamble with a space squid, you know, and you're not gonna right. you're not gonna embarrass him by yeah. grabbing his tentacle and expecting him to grab you back. So you just slap him, slap and a tentacle. So I'm glad you noticed that too because I thought that was that was definitely that yeah was cool. It was a low five too. <laughs> a low five deal. That's what I wrote down. Um, okay, so then uh, they get into um, Anakin fixing the pod. Yes. Um, and another one of my favorite lines of dialogue in this movie, which is delivered by one of the kids, um, says, uh, come on, let's go play golf. Keep racing, Anna. You're going to become gu- bug squash. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's so, oh my gosh. No, like, all, yeah, this all kid is reading up a teleroper. All those kids get a, a line. He's like, it's never going to work. Yeah, your your pod racer is never gonna run, and then they all just go play ball together. Like, Let's go yes. play ball. You're gonna become Screw bug him. squash. <laughs> See you, Annie. There's like a little there's a little kid Greedo in there. Yeah, too. and he's like uh, like woo woo, and he has his own language that no one else understands. <laughs> Roasting Anakin in another language. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but at least I- I- Anakin has like his other slave friend who uh, has his back. Yeah, Kidster. What's his name? Kidster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. He does actually have a name. That's right. Good and, old Kitster. Uh, yeah, so at least Anakin has a little buddy. Okay, um, so let's talk about midi-chlorians. Oh, boy. Yeah, let's talk about them. <laughs> so a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people explain, like, talking about how this explains the Force away and how, like, this is too much information about the Force. I know they don't really get into the midi-chlorians, like, details until later in the movie, uh, but it seems like a good enough time to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, see, I don't think they, they never... Well, they do kind of say that midichlorians are like these little things in your blood that, you know, give you a link to the force. But they never really explicitly say that having more of them is like a judgment of how force powerful you are, right? Um, Obviously, obviously Anakin is the chosen one or whatever he brings power to the force. Um, But when Qui-Gon tells, or when Obi-Wan tells Qui-Gon that he has a count of 20,000... He asks him, what does this mean? And Qui-Gon says, I'm not sure. Um, kind of indicating that maybe the Force is more complex than just this number. 
yeah. right? Saying that this is a an aspect, this is maybe an indication to sit to help you along, but it's not a guarantee in any sort of way. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And uh... so yeah, I don't I don't know. It's it's interesting. I think um, that that scene itself, when they talk about how many McLaurin's he has, doesn't really ruin the force at all. I think later on when they they go into more detail, yes. it kind of uh, it kind of gets iffy. Uh, but I think that part kind of just adds to the mythology of it. Uh, it's like how do they measure the force? You know, like how do they do it on such a, a big scale like the galaxy? I can definitely agree with that because uh, it was just kind of cool too. Because that was after they found out that Anakin had no father, yeah. which. They kind of glaze over, kind of. Like, yeah, I, who was his I, father? Oh, I can't explain it. I just had him. When I first saw oh. that, I was like, um, <laughs> I guess the father's just out of the picture. Like, she, I thought there is no father. Which was just a like a phrase or something. Like, right, right. I don't but understand. He was raised by just me. I'm a yeah. Mom. I didn't. And then yeah, I guess later when I watched it now, it's kind of more clear that she definitely means like it's a virgin birth, kind of deal. Right, and and I think the they give credit to the force for yeah. the immaculate conception there, but I've also heard that it's like Palpatine did it, like he right like long distance impregnated her with the force. <laughs> that is a superpower. That's a super force superpower you never see. I like to, I like to see like a story based on that, like. This, people are just getting pregnant all over the place. Like, how is this happening? There's some guy on another planet that's just like, yeah, <laughs> people pregnant from long distances. Tele, uh, telesex is what you call it. Something. Yeah, the deviant <laughs> side of the force. <laughs> Definitely a dark side of the force. He's, uh, yeah, but also, how would he know that they were going to go to Tatooine? Because that was, yeah, that was all, it was all seemed like random before. luck, right? Yeah. And, but even though Qui-Gon says there's no such thing as coincidence. That's true. That is true. So maybe we, we, we just don't know. Uh, speaking but. of uh, um, random chance, though, um, well, another one of my favorite lines is coming up when uh, Watto and Qui-Gon make a deal to uh, see uh, which slave goes home with Qui-Gon. Um, yes. Because well, because I like how Watto is such a, like, not a habitual, he's just a... He's just such a gambler that yeah. he's even betting against something. He wins either way, whether Anakin wins or not. So he's betting on Sebulba to kind of like double his winnings. If oh, yeah. He, if, yeah, he's he just, yeah he's, I mean, it's a safe bet, really. Um, and, yeah, he's like, ah, oh, no no uh, pod is worth two slaves, so you have, you have to choose, you know, mother Even or though son. this pod is definitely worth two slaves. This is the, by far the fastest pod. Well, maybe Wano just um, really values his slaves. Oh, no, definitely. Like, no, I, I get where Waddle's coming from, but after you see this pod in action, it's like, yeah, this is the best. Yeah, pod. maybe Shmi should have bought her own way, her own freedom with all that money that she won from selling the pod. Um, yeah, but uh, Waddle then says, uh, uh, well, we'll let fate decide, huh? <laughs> and he brings out his, his chance cube. I love that. I, I just want to use that in, in real life all the time now. Like anytime we roll dice, it's like, we'll let fate decide. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he does that. And of course, what does Qui-Gon do? He, he uses the force. To uh, yeah, cheat. uses the force to cheat his way into what he wants. So no respect. And Watto, I think Watto definitely suspects that because Watto gets pissed. Um, yeah, but, but he's just not he's like, whatever, again, it's not so. going to happen anyways. Because right. always wins. Yes. Um, and then again, um, another memorable line, uh, one that you sent me today, actually, um, <laughs> which is Skitzer saying, 
this is so wizard, Annie. <laughs> Just in case you didn't know, this movie was made in the 90s. <laughs> oh, but I so wish wizard was like a regular thing, though. Oh, yeah. man. You know, I wish I, I wish I had our daily reminder here. Said, Say wizard once today, Joey. <laughs> such a such a memorable line. Kister definitely gets goes down in history with that one. And uh... <laughs> so wizard. <laughs> yes, good stuff. Um, okay, so pod racing, right? Let's get into it. That's absolutely right. And a big turnout here from all corners of the Outer Rim Territories. I see the contestants are making their way out onto the starting grid. I see Ben Quadraneros from the Twin System. Tea time winner, Bones Roar. Okay. Yes, pod racing is the, like probably one of the highlights of this whole movie. Um, just like the creative nature of all the all the characters are racing. Um, the the setup of the like the Coliseum kind of deal with the the lights and stuff, and then they have this elaborate track that they have to go through through a cave through and through like an open field with Tuscan Raiders. Um, and like every pod looks different, and all the characters look different. All the, yes, that's one of the best parts of this is how every single pod racer has a name and like first and last name where they're from they have their own unique pod style that yes different strengths and they, and, and they have and their like, own fans and everybody's cheering for them and stuff <laughs> yeah people that look like them in the crowd <laughs> for them. yes and, i love the elephant guy he's going like yeah with his like his arms in the air like waving yeah. swaying back and forth he's like yes well i actually had of course, because I bought all the Star Wars Episode One merchandise. I, for PC, I had the pod racing game. No way! I had the same one! Yeah, okay. It's so doing my joystick. I could never beat it. I always was terrible. Oh, it was awful. I was always crashing into the canyon walls. But the, what made it so cool was each one of those guys was their own guy, right? Like yeah. You, you, they, they had, like, the guy with the four arms that are super long. And, you know, right. you, you have to know who I played as, obviously. Who's that? Ben Quagenero. Oh, my God. <laughs> The guy who didn't even get it started. His yes. power couplings like break and his, right. his engines just, engine just fly off in random directions. <laughs> yeah, the whole idea of pod racing is so interesting. It's like two engines just are just attached by like some like lightning, and then yeah. you have like a like a, a small thing like a chariot behind it, and you just like hope that those things go where you want to point them because the, half the time they don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. No. So cool. I, I'm like. As far as races in movies go, this is inter- this is an entertaining one. Oh, definitely, and like you definitely feel the tension, and like, like people are dying left and right, like pods are exploding, you know, things are just ripping the parts. Oh yeah, no, there's no rules in this either. Oh no, it's very. It definitely even is- though everyone can see everything on the screen, you can bump in people and crash them into walls. You can throw stuff in their stu- in their in their pipes. You know, it doesn't matter. It makes sense that this exists in this on this planet this lawless wasteland that is Tatooine. it makes sense that they would have pod racing also when they said anakin had the fastest one they oh yeah and i like that too um because you know they they have him stall at the beginning um and then he has to catch up which of course you know is a nice tension there um and but yeah you definitely see his pod outpacing everybody's easily the only one that even gives him trouble is sebulba's 
Um, and that's because Sybil was um, a crafty player. Right, right. Um, yeah. Okay. Also, the Tuscan Raiders, dude. They are. They are savages. They're, <laughs> they're like, we don't care. This is fun for us. And shooting at the drivers. Yeah, at the drivers. Huh? The, like, not even at the engines. At the drivers. <laughs> and those things are moving quick too. Like those guys have to be good shots. Yeah. Um, to even be close. And I love. Of course, yeah. Well, I love, of course they shoot. And they're like. <laughs> yeah, classic Tuscan Raiders stuff. Um, I love the uh, the crowd turning their heads as the, as the pods go by, just to kind of give you an idea of how fast they're going. Like they're just like, and, like they yeah. can't even they can't even see them. You know, they have their little iPads and that's it. Um, yeah, uh, the John Williams score um, at the beginning when like they have the like the flowers come out, it's just like oh man, it's your heart racing. Um, when C three PO yes. has the flowers, C three PO, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you're just like oh man, that, that was cool. Um, and, and I think the thing that really makes this, especially watching it the second time is the sound design, you know, Sabol was yes. plod making the, it's so cool. And, um, like you just know you can be afraid of that one. Yes. And, um, like the coming through the air and everything, there's almost no music throughout that until like the near the end, but just like the, you know, like the sound is really fast and like there's a lot of empty space in there that really like accentuates just like the speed and the ferocity of this stuff. Yeah, um, it's like the, 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 the first person point of view when Anakin's driving through the, like all the little tunnels that are yeah. part of the. You just like see how fast he's moving and everything. Oh yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you pointed out specifically Sebulba's racer, how it kind of sounds different. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then also when Anakin goes up the, uh, yes, the ramp it? and he's like, and it's just like goes quiet for a second. And he's like, and then it has the, you know, the, the, the falls in on top. Yeah, he's really like hitting cool. all the controls and like fidgeting with this and turning this off and then turning right, it back Right, which, uh, which uh, mirrors the end when he's um, stuck in the uh, the droid control center. Yes. And he has and his uh, his uh, Naboo fighter uh, stalls out. Right, right. So, yeah, pod racing altogether. And, and the thing about pod racing, this is one of those examples that I was talking about. This is another so – this is something that is very much Star Wars. It's very on-brand as a star aspect of star wars yeah but it's completely different from anything else we see absolutely anywhere you know, else there's not even like there's no other races or anything like no nothing like a, there's not like a i mean there's there's a coliseum um in the second movie uh yeah. but in in the first movie uh, the first the original trilogy um uh, it's all like you know strange planets and and things like that there's not there's nothing like a show of sport even you know sure. so yeah, it's pretty well, and cool. It, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's thrilling, it's unique, and... High stakes. Any, yeah, high stakes, it, it, and entertaining. It, it had everything I wanted in a, you know, scene from Star Wars. Uh, also, just low-key, when they were starting this off, Padme was expressing her discontent with it, and that, yes. that's when she... When you Jedi are far her. too reckless. Yes, and that's when Qui-Gon says, uh, like, the queen doesn't need to know. Right. Um, but she, she also says, you assume too much. Yes. And that's the same line that the Viceroy used on her when she says, uh, like earlier in the movie, when... Uh, oh, when he's she, um, invading? Yeah, when he's invading. I don't remember I exactly what she said, but he responds like, you assume too much. Interesting. That's I like didn't a, catch that. Yeah, so, which I don't know if there's a meaning between the parallelism there, but she definitely recycled something that the Viceroy used on her. I mean, cool. she's a young ruler, so maybe she's like, this is like what people say to be intimidated. Right, obviously. But, um, no, I like that. That's nice. Okay, um, anything else about pod racing? Um, did we mention, it's working, it's working. 
He did not. Another amazing line. Oh, yes. Good stuff. And, but yeah, as far as pod racing goes, I think we may have covered all of it. I, I know uh, I touched on everything I wanted to talk about. At least. It's just, yeah. I, I like that's. I would like to see more stuff like that as the new Star Wars movies come out. I yeah. know that Star Wars Episode Eight had like the little like the giant cats or whatever, which is right. kind of different, but it it wasn't like this. They didn't really delve into it deep like they did with this. No, not at all. Um, okay, yeah. so... Okay, yeah, so, so next thing is uh, another great uh, Jar Jar put-down um, when um, uh, Qui-Gon goes back to get Anakin um, and Obi-Wan says, why do I get the feeling that we've picked up another pathetic life form? <laughs> Oh, got him! <laughs> um, right, and Jar-Jar then the uh, punching bag. Absolutely, um, yeah, and actually, I I think it's uh, it's really affecting uh, watching Anakin leave his mom. Um, you know, and and especially watching uh, Shmi's like oh, that's her name, right? Shmi. Yes. Uh, her um her expressions as she's like suddenly realizes that she's not going with him and she's still a slave, like. Yeah, that's rough, you know, and you it definitely is. you can definitely relate to her, um, and I mean you have to like what do you do in that situation as a mother, right? You want your kid to not be a slave, but like at the same time it's like, take me too, please, like. <laughs> right. Well, and I liked what she said because Anakin obviously isn't comfortable with the situation either, and she says you can't stop change any more than you can stop the suns from setting. Nice. Which is a tight. A very tight double Tatooine. on Tatooine reference. Yes, good stuff so, there. So, so yeah, I like that. It, it was convincing enough, right? Anakin definitely had a tough time leaving his mom. And, yeah. it was, and obviously Qui-Gon tried to save them both, but he couldn't. And, and that's something he, that comes back several times throughout the rest of the trilogy, right? Is yes. Anakin's love of his mom. So, And and Qui-Gon talks about it. He says, I didn't come here to free slaves. And as a Jedi, it's like, oh, but I thought he was good when you want to eradicate slavery everywhere in the, in the universe. But it's like, you, you can't. Right. Yeah, there's I mean, too, there's there's too much line? injustice yeah. going on for the Jedi to handle everything. So it's just it's just uh, it kind of helps you see the how colossal the galaxy is that Star Wars exists within. That even somebody uh, like a truly good guy, I guess, Star uh, Qui Gon is like, I you know you're gonna yeah. be a slave. That's true. And it's yeah, uh, it definitely makes it kind of real. Yeah. Um. Right. And yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I could do that if I was a kid. Even when I was a kid, you know, being a kid, I don't know if I could leave my, my mom, my only, like, my only parent behind, you know, in slavery by herself. Like, yeah. And what about, uh, did he ever say goodbye to Wizard Kid? I never said bye to Kidster. Kidster At least not on screen. Kidster. Yeah. Damn. I guess no one else is going to think <laughs> he, things are Wizard. <laughs> he, he's going to run into adult Kidster and be like, still saying totally Wizard. Ditch me. That was not not music, was <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish that was true. I I I wish that was true. Um, okay, next thing I have on the list is the weird pacing of this movie when Darth Maul comes out of nowhere to um, fight oh, Qui Gon. When quite when wait when Darth Maul comes out of nowhere after his robots just spent the whole time like all over the planet and just like collecting information, it's like did you just play a sound effect or did you make that with your mouth? <laughs> I, <laughs> they just they show back up and then he's like, all right, 
it's speeder time. And <laughs> yeah, he gets off. the speeder. And Which he's like, and then the thing he is, shows his up. Speeder yeah. is badass. His speeder is badass. Um, and you see him going down that that cliff, like that steep cliff, just no problem. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then he's just like that. That whole scene is super weird though, because like they're running for who what who knows what reason, and then suddenly I was like, get down, and Anakin's like okay and then Darth Maul shows up with his lightsaber and he's like all right we're gonna fight now and then yeah, can you imagine if that him. had gone like if Anakin was like get down you know and just what does Darth that mean Maul splatters him <laughs> that's the end like <laughs> oh man yeah he was going straight for that kid too you know he was running straight he's gonna run him over if he that's, that was down, the point. So. yeah but yeah but, um, okay the thing is though I mean, while it it was but while it may be a little bit random pacing I will take as much Darth Maul as I can get so I'm glad to definitely, see. It definitely makes him seem like a mysterious phantom, if you if you might say. Ah, I see um, what you did there. So, yeah, I, I I don't I guess mind it too much. It's just the way it was put together that I I have a problem with. Yes, yeah, so um, also I like how Qui Gon jumps up there and Darth Maul is like, "That's eh, chill." Yeah, can't jump that high. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Catch you later. <laughs> you got me this time. I've been spending three days on this planet. <laughs> yeah with my little droids with my little droids <laughs> <laughs> also okay here's the thing though sith all have like their ship i'm like it's a yeah thing that exists in stars and darth maul has a badass ship he definitely he, does he, he definitely has the coolest stuff um which does, doesn't make up for his lack of character development exactly <laughs> <laughs> But he, he just, tried. Yeah, oh, he know. just starts off like as the ultimate badass, and then and then he dies. But <laughs> yes. uh, just but, having uh, the, the coolest stuff. Okay, so we're on the ship. Qui Gon is sitting on the floor because he's exhausted from jumping up that. Obi Wan meet Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> yes, and when I first saw that, I was like, okay, he's just introducing these two characters. But right. as if you are a person who grew up watching the Star Wars movies when they first came out, you're like. Oh, this is the moment they met each other. Yeah. Oh like, my gosh! I ah, and I can, I can't roll my high, eyes any higher than when I see something like that. It's just so blatant. It's like, oh, you know, we don't have to try. We'll just make them meet each other. You know, there's nothing interesting or anything like that. Like people will love it the moment that they say the other person's name. Just yeah. like in um, Batman v Superman when uh, Lex Luthor invites Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne to his party. And he's like, oh, Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne talking to each other. I hope they don't get into a fight later. I, yeah, I love bringing people together. <laughs> yeah, man. it's like, ugh. But that's, that's intertextuality, and it's a big problem in movies today. And mm. this was an, an early part of it. It can be good. Right, you it can be there, done there, well. there are examples in this movie where it is good. But it's not, but it's not it doesn't substitute for, um, like, actual... Substance? Plot. Yeah, there's no, there's no substance there. It's, it's just the intertextuality exactly what you're right. saying it's it's replacing something that could be you know serving right so it's instead of yeah it's like instead of just telling a story you're constantly referencing things right so it, and it can be done well but this is an example of when it's, it's not really done not. well but okay, okay so right after that they're checking the messages they've gotten from naboo and yes. things are grim on naboo well according to co bible at least wait who C.O. Bibble, the the guy, the old guy That's with his the, name. Yeah, it's like a, a random fact of a of a Star Wars trivia that I, uh, okay. I'm sure well, um, Mike Ludwig would want me to know. So uh, okay, well he, I love his. Uh, he's like the death toll is catastrophic. You must contact me. Yes. 
And when yes. I was a kid, really all I heard was like that you must contact me, and I knew they weren't contacting them because they right. want any, like to find out. It's where a trap. Were. Yeah, it's a trap. But the death toll is catastrophic. But everyone's in conscious. Everyone's in cat. Uh, what's it called? Concentration camps. I'm you a know, little the, bit like, oh, that's disturbing. Right. Like, but you don't know if he's telling the truth. I mean, I guess it's. I mean, why wouldn't they be right? Right. Why wouldn't? But they be? the. Um, I mean, he, he could be coerced, which is the whole point. Fair enough. That's fair enough. Because they did say it's a trap. Don't send any. I mean, but he could be coerced because it's true. He could be like, we're going to murder a thousand people in front of you. So why don't, you know, now send this message. Make sure you say it's catastrophic. Um, let's talk about uh, the planet is a blank trope. So the planet is a desert. The planet is an ice planet. The planet is a city. <laughs> the planet is a city. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, obviously, that's not how things work. You know, the Earth has all of those things as a oh, planet. Wh- yeah, don't forget that in the second one, the planet is an ocean. Yes, planet is an ocean. Good one. <laughs> Can't forget that one. I mean, all of these things are possible, right? But you would think if it's possible to live on these planets, there would be some sort of terraforming. Um, so, you know, it's just kind of a, I don't know, lazy writing in a way. They say, oh, the whole planet is this thing. Now we don't have to show very much. We can just show you one part of it, and then you see the whole planet. Eh, that's, for me, that's that might be a little bit nitpicky because I think it could be possible that a whole planet could be like a city. It could be a city all the way around. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting to think about the logistics of that. Like they would have to constantly like import all of their food and like water and stuff because they can't have any of it on the planet because there's nothing there, right? They probably right, could, well, they probably have solar panels everywhere to get energy and things, but and they're I mean they're uh, organized enough to have flying traffic, so I think anything is possible. Oh yeah, that's a that's something that's that's interesting, you know, because you'd think that flying traffic logistically would be really stupid. Because right, no, <laughs> they have both though. They have flying traffic and, <laughs> and ground just, traffic, and they just well, and they just go wherever they want. Also, you know? right, and they totally right. just crash into each other as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. Maybe if you look at it too closely, it stops making sense. But right. I do so, like the idea of a city planet. It does look cool. I do like the idea of a city planet. Um, so yeah, the, they talk, this is where the political intrigue, uh, gains its height. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Right before we get there, let's not forget that Padme and, and, uh, Anakin are chilling out on the, uh, like inside this ship. Yes. And he gives her like the little totem or whatever. He's like, I carved it out of this or that. Right. Right. And she specifically says like, I care for you. Like, I, I don't know. It was just like. I, did, I actually didn't know that Natalie Portman was still in high school at this point, so I guess it's a little bit less weird, but it's definitely weird. She's She definitely seems a lot older than him. Like, yeah. he's eight, I guess, or ten? Eight? I think he's nine. I think he's nine, because Weird Al says he's nine in the uh, in the song about this movie. Okay, so we'll go with Weird Al. Yeah, um, Weird Al. <laughs> he's an expert. <laughs> citation Weird Al song. Um yeah, I guess he's so he's nine, and then she's I guess I mean if she's even in high school, she's got to be at the youngest fourteen. Yeah, which is kind of young for a queen. A queen, yeah. And she definitely looks older than that. She's probably like sixteen. Sure. So she's seven years older than, but she's almost twice his age. Um, I know we're kind of stretching. We keep stretching her age uh, to make that fit, but like, yeah. Um, she definitely and she's like so much taller than him. She's like more than a a, a head taller than him. She he's she's like oh, yeah. A head and a half, at least. Like, they're not the same age. There, there should not be 
any kind of maybe when they're older it makes sense but at this age it's like just really? i care for you little boy it just, just doesn't make sense <laughs> no, it doesn't, doesn't unless you're his mom good. you know yeah but anyways i just wanted to point out that that seemed awkward and forced yes but, i agree you know i guess it's vindicated in the second movie whatever. okay so um let's get to the political intrigue so they talk yes. about uh Ch- chancellor oh not uh, senator palpatine talking about yes. chancellor valorium um, and he says he's he has little real power because he's mired by baseless accusations of corruption, um, which is interesting. A baseless accusations of corruption, but he is corrupt, right? You see the bureau, the bureaucrat he calls him, talking to him. Yeah, but and he's is cons- that being corrupt or is that just being in charge? I guess it's kind of being in charge. And like, but he says baseless accusations of corruption, right? And, and yeah. obviously Palpatine is gunning for his job. It yeah. makes me think that Palpatine is the one stirring up the rumors. Sure. And maybe he is. Uh, the thing is, I get the impression that Chancellor Valorum is not corrupt. Yeah. And there, but Palpatine is just kind of seizing the moment. Because the, what, what he does, what the moment Chancellor that he Valorum, traded. Right, but Chancellor Valorum, his, uh, what he does as the, you know, non-biased leader of this is he's like, okay, you say that the Trade Federation has invaded you, and the Trade Federation says that's nonsense. Let's find out what the truth is, and then we'll take action. And yeah. Padme, overcome with emotion, is like, no, let's. Uh, I'm going to do what Palpatine says, and I'm going to save a vote of no confidence because you're corrupt, which doesn't make mm. it true. But, but it's it enough. Just it just the moment, you know, it's the, the the situation yeah. is right for him to be kind of thrown out of power. I I don't think that. Can you imagine if that happened? Like, can you imagine if that happened at like uh, a chapter meeting or something, where someone was like, "There's a there's a vote of no confidence here. You know, we're taking you out, and we're electing someone else right now." You know, that'd be I mean that'd be a stir for sure. That definitely would be a stir. I mean, and <laughs> he must have been pretty like those accusations must have been pretty harsh because. He was out of there like that. He was out there quick, you know? Like, considering how slow Congress moves for us, like, I can't imagine Space Congress. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, and there's so many of them. There's yes, like I want to talk about that. Out. There's, like, this is a super sweet setup, like, those floating, like, rings that they have. And there's, like, there are tons of them. I mean, there's, like, thousands. And, like, obviously you don't see all of them in detail, but, like, uh, I mean, that's pretty cool. I like the I like, I like the Senate set, setup a lot. Yeah. Um. Yes. Uh, so, okay, let's go back to, or do you want to talk about the more about the Senate, or do you want to move to uh, uh, the Jedi? I, I think we cover the Senate. I think I, we, we kind of get what Palpatine's whole plan was, so. Yes, I guess. And it's coming together. after ap- Basically, after Padme does that, I mean, we, we discussed it earlier, it was all about getting the sympathy vote, because... Right. right. You know, her, uh, I actually have a, a picture I want to I want to show you. Hold on, let me share it with you really fast. I guess uh, the Trade Federation isn't exactly liked either because everyone kind of sides with the Naboo. Um. Right. To. Um. To do this. Vote of no confidence. Right. Well, I, isn't it like a, a, a kind of an opportunity because everyone's kind of upset with the Chancellor? At least it seems so. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I sent, I took a screenshot of uh, this. <laughs> it was kind of an accident because I just paused it at this time to write down some of the dialogue. Um, but I really like it because it kind of um, exemplifies this whole situation. Um, 
which is uh, when Palpatine is nominated and he comes back into uh, the room to announce his nomination. Um, and he has this super smug expression on his face. Um, he's like, a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. Yes. And it's like, another... it's like, how is it not so obvious that this is his plan? Like, this is like the most, like, this is probably the most transparent he can possibly be at this point is like the whole like, oh, I can't believe I got nominated for this thing that I was suggesting people do. Like, you know, like, oh, I can't believe this is like the way things are rolling. Well, like, the thing is, so he thought even, it was. He mentions the other people who have been nominated. Yeah. He, and like, one of them is from Alderaan. That's right. And nice. it's kind of like, uh, oh, oh, I remember Alderaan. That's, but the thing is, that is good intertextuality. Yes, because it's like, oh, this world is part of the systems or whatever, yeah. right? You're bringing it back in. Uh, yeah, I do like that. Um, oh, and the other thing that he says um, is that I promise to put an end to corruption, uh, which is a Palpatine's um, whole shtick, I believe. That's, that's what he's running on. Is that he promises yeah. to put an end to corruption, which you may think is a lie because he's living a double life, but he's actually true. Is actually true. He will end corruption uh, in the Senate by completely dissolving the Senate. I guess that's true, <laughs> and it seems like a bit of a, a lie or a little half truth, right? Yeah, yeah half truth by Palpatine, but you know, it is what it is. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. So let's talk about the Jedi Council. So, yes. first off, how cool is it that there's a Jedi Council? <laughs> Jedi Council's nice. Um, how cool is it that Samuel Jackson is on the Jedi Council? Basically, like, number 1B to Yoda's 1A. Oh, yeah, he's right, you're right there next to him. Um, yeah, okay, so I saw this thing um, a while back about talking about why, this, why Samuel Jackson was miscast. Um, and I, I tend to agree with it. And that's that... This is probably Samuel Jackson's least expressive role, right? The Jedi's are supposed to be very stoic, you know, yeah. very like you know in their own place. But if you watch any other Samuel Jackson movie, he's very expressive. Um, you know, he doesn't play. I don't think he plays the same character in all of his movies, but he uh-huh. definitely has like kind of this energy that kind of follows him around and this kind of passion, um, especially the way he talks and everything. Um, the word choices, of course, is, is he's known for. Uh, but in this, in these movies, he's he's just like all the other guys. He's stoic, you know. He sits there by himself, and maybe this shows his range, but it definitely doesn't show his range. I don't think because he doesn't do anything. You know, there's not a lot of acting for him to do. He's just kind of reciting lines. Um, and although Samuel Jackson is cool, and I like seeing him in movies, I don't think I think he's really of a stunt cast. Honestly, it's only because everyone likes Samuel Jackson that he was in this movie. Not so much that he had really brought anything to it. Um, I, I guess I, the, I, I don't agree. I don't think that having him in the movie takes anything away from the movie because there's, there's a little bit of a parallel between how badass Mace Windu is and how badass uh, Samuel Jackson is because both of them are legendary at what they do. Yeah, you know, but that's like true. Jackson, and, and in the second movie, he definitely... Um, he definitely shows his badassery. So, but but the the actual live action Star Wars movies barely get into how much of a badass Mace Windu is. He's yeah. probably the most powerful, like brute strength, powerful Jedi ever, or at least that we know of. Or at least that like a somewhat yeah that we see. I would say like yeah, a, a, a fan of Star Wars is mostly into the movies. 
sees in all of those because he's just crazy and he's uh and he also is the only one with the purple lightsaber so he he's great i i i see where you're coming from and i i guess that's true maybe samuel jackson is better fit for some other role in some other movie but I don't see it. I had no problems with him being Mace Windu. Okay, if yeah. anything, it definitely doesn't definitely doesn't detract. I don't think. Um, sure. I mean, it is a little distracting. I think just because it's him, but that can't be helped. Um, okay, so then uh, Obi Wan talks to talking to Qui Gon, and he says, "Do not defy the Council Master, not again." Um, as in Qui Gon is has never been much of a goody two shoes. Always doing reckless shit, you know trying to make things up so that's just who Qui-Gon is man that's how he that's how he rolls he plays by his own rules he uh well I also uh because I can't remember I think this is right after that when Anakin does the little like it's a speeder it's a spaceship it's, it's a cup it's, yeah it's a cup yeah. yeah that part and they try to decide if he should begin training right and Yoda senses in him much fear. I, I really like this. Fear is Yoda... the path to the dark side. Fear yes, leads fe- to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Hate leads to suffering. You're better than that. <laughs> Frank Oz, should. dude. Yes. Frank Oz. Now, like, if we're going to talk about people, famous people, who were cast as Jedi in this movie, who killed it, Frank Oz, dude. And, I mean, he was already Yoda in the originals. But yes. it was. I, I liked having Yoda on the council, you know? Um, cause he was like a big part of the Jedi and everything. He saw the whole thing firsthand collapse. Um, so to see, have him, you know, be Luke's trainer, I guess later on is, I think is nice. Um, yes. and, and I think that's an intertextuality thing that I, I also appreciate. And I like, yes. And well, and I also like that he totally tried to prevent, uh, Anakin from becoming a Jedi. Right. Well, they, they mentioned that they say like, um, uh, they, they say that, uh, he might be the chosen one, right? Um, and that, uh, right. Well, they, they say all that, keep up with these prophecies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how to do that, but basically, they say like, oh, there's a prophecy about the chosen one is going to bring balance to the force. Well, kind of objectively, the Jedi are definitely killing it right now compared to the Sith. You know, they didn't even know the Sith were around until Qui Gon announces that uh, he met. Um, until Maul shows that. Yeah, that Darth Maul. So, um, balance to the Force is definitely a direct threat to the Jedi. Um, yes. And so they should be afraid, I think, of something like that. And they have every right not to train someone who's going to, to kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That does seem a little bit backwards. It's like it's almost like Mace Windu and Yoda being like, "No, we can't train him." Is like. Duh! <laughs> right, it's like him. he's gonna bring balance to the force. What do you think that means? <laughs> like, do you think this balanced right now? It's definitely not. We're definitely have the upper hand. Like, you definitely won't want that. Um. Okay. So yeah, that like I liked that. At that point, like they made the logical choice, which doesn't always happen in movies. So I'm I'm glad that they did that at least initially. Right, because that does get revoked later on. So um. Okay, so now they're back on, or they're going back to. They're on Coruscant, and they're going to go back to Naboo. Okay, well, uh, just let me get this straight, though. So, because yeah. Queen Amidala uh, is impatient with... She's like, oh, I can't wait for you to <laughs> rearrange the Senate and take action. I'm yeah. going to go back and save my planet. He's like, no, stay here where it's safe. And she's like, no, I'm going. So, essentially, Queen Amidala shows up, yes. fucks up the power structure of the Senate, and then just leaves. Leaves, yes. She's like, 
the vote of no confidence. Let's not see how this plays out. Um, yeah, so I was like, what the... <laughs> yeah. The thing is, it, it makes sense just the way it happens because she expects the vote of no confidence to like to yield instant results, but it doesn't. Sure. And that frustrates her and she leaves. That's why. But yeah, if you look yeah. at it from just the outside... Well, she, I mean, the, her original plan was just to appeal to the Senate and say, hey, you know, stop them. Stop the Trade Federation. Um, yeah. But when they didn't, then it became a problem. Um, it's just the way it is. Yeah. So right before, so they were about to leave uh, Coruscant to go to Naboo, right? Um, and Obi-Wan is talking to Qui-Gon again. And Obi-Wan says something about, it says, it's not dis- disrespect, it's the truth. And Qui-Gon says, um, from your point of view... Which I thought was a really nice reference to Obi Wan's favorite catchphrase um, from a different point of view, which he uses several times in the original trilogy to really screw with Luke. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I, I thought that was kind of a nice like, oh, maybe this is where Obi Wan got it from. Um, the whole you can oh, see yeah, things from a different point of view. Yeah, I didn't notice that. That's that's a good catch. Um, and so then, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. We well, they're, they're about to leave Naboo, which is when Qui Gon squats down with Anakin. I was wondering. What are midichlorians? <laughs> All right, so this is actually interesting. Like, we can we can go into like why this is stupid, but I, I they bring up symbionts again. This is the second time they're talking about symbionts in this movie. The first time is when they're talking about uh, the, the Gungans and the Naboo, right? Um, which is I think this is supposed to be this motif that shows up, which never really pays off, really. Um, because as I mentioned earlier, I think the Gungans are totally get the short end of the stick here. They put all their lives in the line for nothing in return. Um, and, uh, I think like the, you never see like the midichlorians, I guess, doing anything other than exist. Like, I don't know, like the, you know, what, what are they then? Like, why do they matter? I guess is kind of the question, right? It's like, Oh, they're microscopic things in your blood. It's like, well, there's no, you know, there's not like somebody trades blood with someone and now they have the force. It's like, that never happens. Like, you know, th- that never pays off. It's just like, oh, we just happen to know that these exist, I guess. Right. No, like I, what I wrote in my notes is like Qui-Gon tries to explain midichlorians to Anakin. And what do we learn? That midichlorians are silly. And just... <laughs> yes. Well said. <laughs> midichlorians are silly. Um, so, okay, so, so then and then they're on the ship and they're like, "What's our plan?" And um, and the queen calls up Jar Jar and she's like, "Hey Jar Jar, do you have any friends?" And Jar Jar's like, "Of course." Um, and they ask him like where they are, and Captain Panaka lays down another great Jar Jar uh, put down, which is uh, they ask him like where where are the Gungans, and he says, "More more likely they were all wiped out." <laughs> <laughs> Yes, dude. Back in Panaka with the dagger. But um, one thing I did like was Jar Jar said that when I think when they're still on Naboo, when mm-hmm. uh, she, when maybe Queen Amidala was talking to him, I just remember at some point Jar Jar does say that Gungans are fighters. Yes, he, he does that. say that. So he's not. So that does like, come, he wasn't worried about them. That does come back. So, um, yeah. yeah, we we already talked a little bit about how Kira Knightley is now Portman's double, which was you know kind of a neat thing going on. In, well, but also immensely confusing even yes. at like watching it this time and i knew it she's like the the Keira knightley as a queen is talking to boss nass mm. and that is when queen amidala decides to be like okay now i'm gonna reveal because right. 
so so at it from so, Boss Nass's yeah, perspective. Right. Because he's like, okay, I'm talking to the queen, and yes. now, who I've never met, <laughs> and now another person's going to come and say that she's the queen, but she's just dressed like a normal person? Right. It's uh, okay. like, why? This is wildly uh, confusing to me, yeah, Boss Nass. Is, and, Boss Nass is just like, okay, whatever. Way, like, I'm an, yeah, I'm an idiot, by the way. I'm Boss Nass, and like, all I need you to do is convince me that you don't think you're better than me, and now I'm I'm like cool with it. Um, right, I'm gonna, so sacri- I'm gonna send my thousands of troops out to to right, die. Right, okay. I love how they're like breaking down the plan, which also Star Wars always has hologram maps that show shit that they're like, when did you have time to prepare this no, presentation? Ex- yes, that's exactly <laughs> right. I always wonder about that, like the poor interns that had to make these stupid presentations. Yeah. It's like, all right, I'm about to explain this to Boss Nass. The next five minutes, I need you to prepare a three D hologram that shows the walking tunnel around. that goes in. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, it's a secret tunnel, by the way. So make sure it reveals later on in the thing. It's like, oh, but by the way, there's a secret tunnel. So make sure that you can have that nice fade in later. Like, don't make yeah, light it up too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can see it. But but we basically they explain the plan. Yes. And they're like, oh yeah. By the way, boss and ass. This plan requires like a lot of Gungans to basically just die. die. <laughs> and he's like, We some definitely chill with that. Like yes. in his little jar like jar jar language. And who knows? That Does totally like, doesn't hold up. He doesn't even look like the same species as Jar Jar. I, I think it's just because he's so obese. But Well, yeah. And the thing is most of the Gungans look almost exactly the same. Yeah. And Jar Jar looks a little different just because he's like more orange. So maybe like the more bloated and disgusting you are, like it's like better, you know. It's like kind of like those baboons with the swollen red ass cheeks. Yeah. It's like that's what really sets them apart. The more swollen like, your ass, the better. The more exactly. high up on the. the so the, for him, it's like the, the more pole. gross and fat you are, the more and like the more power you wield. Yeah. Right. Well, clearly it's tough to get there because everyone else looks exactly the same and they're all fit and skinny. Uh, although Boss Nass can still like jump. I remember he like. At the end, remember when they're like walking in the parade, Boss Nass, like Jar Jar, like slips off of the thing he's riding, and Boss Nass just jumps and he's like totally fine. Yeah, you remember that? And yeah, it's super weird. Skipping ahead, skipping ahead, but but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, still, I do remember he's that. Chill it's... with putting a bunch of Gungan lives on the line, which absolutely just for maybe super. Who knows what reason? But... Yeah, no, the, the whole yeah. So to, for me, watching this movie, like I never understood that. The queen was decoy the whole time, um, and so when Padme shows up and she's and she's like, "I'm the queen," or I right I said that right because Padme yeah. is the queen. Yes, Padme I'm still wrapping queen. my head around this. Um, she, uh, I was just like, "So what?" So she got like in costume and like then you know revealed herself not to be in costume. Like, what was the point of that? But now it makes a lot more sense that. The decoy was the queen the whole, almost the whole movie. Yes. And now Padme is finally revealing her true self at the end. That that oh. that puts a lot of puzzles to get pieces together. Right. Yes. Yes. And remember when Anakin says he's gonna go see the Jedi to see if he needs to start training. Yeah. And he goes to the queen's dressing room and he talks to the queen and she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, Padme's not here right now." Yes. You know, that was. Uh, I think that was actually her in like costume as the queen. I thought so. I think so too. So I'm like, and she says, and she's gosh. like, uh, she wishes you well. It's like, uh, that she's is her. Way know? too confusing. Yeah. Gosh. Way too confusing. Wait, but anyways, anyways. Anyway. Okay. So they go back to the, they're in the battle and they're just, okay. They're, so they're yeah. So, the battle. So there's four like battles that happen 
Almost simultaneously. Okay, but we before have... the battle starts, one of the best yes. lines in the whole movie is when uh, uh, Emperor Palpatine, Sith Palpatine, Sith uh, uh, Emperor Sidious, whatever his name is, yeah, his, his many names, Chief, um, he's talking to the Viceroys, or um, and he they ask him what what to do, and he says, "Wipe them out, all of them," um, which is such a great line. Wait, 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 he says what? Wipe them out. All of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a, uh, yeah, every, almost every line of his is worth, like, jotting down. Yes. He, uh, but, okay, so we have Gungans versus Droids. Yes. Which is actually awesome. I really do like that. Like, yes, the battle. shield and then, like, the blue balls and stuff. And then, you know, the Gungans yeah, also have shields and slingshots. Especially because it's droids, which we've already talked about, are, like, Totally fodder, we yeah. can kill them yeah whatever and gungans which are all the same and we also don't care if they die <laughs> no in fact i'd rather they die <laughs> so so that's cool we, we just watched some 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 guilt-free carnage yes. happening and then uh then we have the queen leading queen. the assault on the palace yes with captain what's his captain panaka, panaka. yep yeah, and, and the, the Jedi are with them until they split up after they see Darth Maul. Right, and then that's the third one, which is the Jedi versus Darth Maul. Right. And the fourth one is when Anakin hops in the Naboo fighter and heads up to fight the Trade Federation ships. Yes. Yes. Um, great stuff. Um, so let's talk a little bit about... I guess we... I mean, these all kind of happen at the same time, so... Um, I'll just start with the first thing I have, which is John Williams' Duel of the Fates, um, which is, like, uh, like the only Star Wars song that's even, that even comes close to this is uh, The Imperial March, I think. Yes. Um, Like, this is, like, far and above one of the best pieces of music ever written uh, for a movie, and it's just so, like, like, intense, it's so epic, and I just, like, it's one of those things that's always in my head, I can, like, start singing it anytime I think about it um it's just great and um yeah it, like you you can tell like john williams put way more effort into this movie than george lucas did <laughs> <laughs> yeah no the, the music kills it and honestly just like the music throughout star wars just has that theme the, the music all throughout star wars is just so recognizable oh yeah it, definitely, it gives you that feeling it's the, I mean, it's the opera, right? The space opera aspect of it. And it's just yeah. like the, the grandiose epicness of it. It's just, um, it can't be matched. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd say like my top three Star Wars like songs, I guess, would be like, obviously just like the Star Wars theme song, yeah. Imperial March, and then Duel of the Fates, and then obviously the Cantina song. The Cantina song, of course. <laughs> For its meme ability alone. <laughs> yeah. And it's endless replayability. I mean, oh, does yeah. anyone ever get tired of that song? Oh, um, no. Man. Uh, but, this uh, random tangent, but did you see that yes. uh, video on that was trending on YouTube? Of the guy writing, yes, uh, doing the Cantina song with his paper. Yes, and it's uh, so easy to recognize. Like, oh my gosh. Yes, no, that was that actually blew my mind, and that was the day I saw that the morning after I rewatched this. Okay, and I was like, oh, dude, Star Wars. Star Wars is in my mind. That's great. So, yeah, so, so Darth Darth Maul's uh, super cool double lightsaber. Um, definitely one of my favorite. Like yeah. yeah definitely it's really neat and um i mean way to way to make lightsabers cooler you know and yes. like you have to be super skilled to use something like that like imagine you have a, a, a some sort of weapon that if you touch any part of it it slices off of it and now imagine you can't touch either side of it right it's like a, a pole staff but you can't touch either end like 
That's ridiculous. Um, so, and you see Darth Maul's extreme skill throughout this. I mean, he's fighting two trained Jedi Knights at the same time um, and holding his own easily. Oh, yeah, and Palpatine is confident in this, too. Oh, yeah. Sidious is confident in this. He said, you should be able to destroy them. And right. he basically does. It's it's just... Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he kind of had some, some bad luck there, um, which we can get back into later. Um, so, yeah, okay, well, first thing is Anakin hopping in the... The ship, yeah. ...fighter, the, the Naboo uh, fighter, and yeah. then going and, like, flying up into space. Two reasons why, even though that's ridiculous, he's, he's nine years old, two reasons why that makes sense. Pod racing. One, pod racing. We watched him do that, and he's clearly a skilled pilot. Yes. Two, he has R2-D2 with him. And yes. R2 is obviously the best droid of all time. So True. I think that that part holds up, and Anakin actually ends up being such an important part of them succeeding in this. Right, because he's, because... The, only, he's the one who destroys everything. And, like, everyone else is in a situation where they need the droids to be destroyed. Except for yes. um, uh, um, Qui Gon and Obi Wan and Darth Maul. Right, right. Um, well, yeah. Well, the uh, the, the other thing is uh, Star Wars space battles, right? I, like that's yeah. another pinnacle part of Star Wars, and good for them. I mean, obviously, it's it's another situation where it's like fly inside, blow up a thing, and then the whole thing crashes. But it's not. As, yeah, yeah, I was thinking that. I was like, so it's not the same thing as a Death Star, but. I mean, it kind of is because it, it has the one is. weakness and they shoot the things and then it blows up. I mean, it doesn't look the same. Um, the whole setting is a little bit different. But I mean, yeah, I mean, like if your whole idea is shoot the thing and then it blows up, it's like obviously it's going to reminisce about the Death Star. So the fact that it's different at all, I think, is something to comment on. Yes. No. And I, 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 I liked it where they were able to show us something that we want to see, which is a Star Wars space battle, but without making it like a carbon copy of something we've seen yeah, in exactly. the other movies. Um, so I, I like that a lot, especially because they brought in brand new ships. Yes, and those are cool-looking ships, fighters. too. Yeah, and, and the droid fighters are different, too. They're not yes. uh, X-Wings or anything. I mean, what, they're kind of spiky, the, but... I had those droid Vulture fighters. droids, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they, the thing is, they are... The ship is a droid. Yes, like, and they, like, walk around. It's not a droid piloting it. it is, yeah, right. They are a droid, which is kind of cool. I like that. Um, so... So yeah, that works out. I mean, I guess the, mo- the more boring part of it is <laughs> the the queen taking back the palace, and another example of like the confusingness of having the decoy. <laughs> yes, because it totally comes because in handy right there. Like we have the queen. Just kidding, we don't have the queen. And like she comes in and blasts them or whatever, and like opens up her throne, and she has a bunch of guns in there. Yeah, it's like because the, even the viceroy can't keep it straight. No, and. Uh, and they end up getting their asses for that one. Yep. And now and we'll sign a new treaty. Yes. Um, that's how they get the, the win there. Also, Anakin, after he blows it up and he's leaving, obviously he says, Now, now this, this is, is pod, pod racing. racing. <laughs> Another one of the best lines. Except except for that it's clearly not pod racing. It actually, <laughs> um, no, yes. Definitely it's not pod racing. Um, uh, in in this with the subtitles on, uh, the the this is italicized to put extra emphasis on it, um, in case <laughs> in case you didn't realize that now this, this is pod racing. I almost wish that he said that multiple times in the film, and that was like when he finally found it. You know, like wait, is this pod racing? No, 
He's like driving a spear around Tatooine. He's like, now this is pod racing. And he's just like, it's ah. you know? And then he's actually pod racing. He's like, now this is pod racing. Uh, you know, and like I guess, but you know, I just not feeling. I'm not feeling it. And then he's in space, blowing up the Trade Federation oh my ship, God. and like fires blasting behind him. He's like, now oh, this, this is, is pod, pod racing. racing. Oh my God. Uh, you know that's ever. not how it happened, but that's how I. That's how. That's how you how wish. It, yes, you wish it happened. Why else would he imagine? fucking say that? <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. Um, but as ridiculous as it was, I thought that that all worked well together. I thought the the multiple actions happening together was right. like extremely especially the the droids all falling apart and like you know none of them have independent systems at all they're all just con- controlled by the droid control system which like there was a there, you see multiple shots from outside the planet and you see multiple of those control systems right yep mm-hmm. but that's the one that's the one that's controlling all the droids that you they see got the right one yep lucky that is the one with the Viceroy in it, because you see the Viceroy explode. explode yeah. Poor guys. They're just the short end of the stick the whole movie. Uh, I love the Trade Federation, man. They are such, like, they have the shittiest, like, units. They have the, the battle droids that get wrecked all the time. Knocked over, crazy. And then, and then the, like, the their leaders are all, like, sh- like assholes and dumbasses. Like, they just get so give anything straight. I yes. love it. But they do, um, I guess, a lot of money because they're the Trade Federation. So Yeah, I guess so. Oh, so there's a couple of cool things about the Darth Maul fight. First of all, when um, they, they're they fighting between those, like, um, those laser walls or something. Nice. Yeah, and they, they turn on their lightsabers right before the walls turn on, which is kind of like that Jedi pre, pre, um, precognition kind of yeah. thing that you that you see a lot in this movie like that's probably the power used more than even qui-gon's uh uh jedi mind tricks is the the jedi co- like precognition like anticipating the result things before they happen yeah. um so yeah i like that i like seeing like them light up the lightsabers and then the thing goes down you know um especially since that happens more than once Ooh. also another thing that may or may not be real is uh, apparently, the the fighting style that Qui Gon uses is really taxing. It's very mm. brutal, and he he it's like there's a lot of force behind every like sh- strike that he goes. With. A lot of force. And yeah, yeah. Well, I guess maybe that's the wrong word, but like, uh, well, maybe not because it, they, all their fighting styles incorporate some aspect of the force. But anyways, when the door closes and Qui Gon knows that he's gonna have to wait, he turns off his lightsaber and kneels and rests. And he kind of takes like a, I don't know, like a restful. Yeah, position. he like does that meditation thing, which was cool. Right, and he's, he's kind of biding his energy, preparing for, because he knows the battle's about to continue, but he's, he's, he's you know, recovering and also preparing for the next part of it. I, I didn't explain that as well as the person who explained it to me did, but basically that's really his cool. fighting style is very, takes a lot of energy. And so Qui-Gon, that's why Qui-Gon did that. That's neat. I like that. Um what was I going to say? The the whole thing is like really tense and the choreography is incredible. You know, can you imagine like like getting that all together with the, you know, three different people and the one guy has a different kind of sword and everything like it's awesome. And and seeing it all come together in like such fluid like thing. I, I think people complain a little bit about how like fluid it is and how like practice it looks, but I think yeah. that's like really I, I think that like the style of Jedi fighting, right? Is that they can see the future, so they're constantly trying to anticipate, and it's like this constant battle of who can do the thing first, right? Um, which is, is really cool. 
I um, do like that. And I like that as an explanation for why it seems so rehearsed. Right. right? Because they are constantly seeing a little bit into the future each yeah. time. So, so anyway, obviously, Qui-Gon gets stabbed in the chest. Um, and then Obi-Wan comes in and then he falls into the hole. Something I'd like to note here is that uh, Darth Maul definitely has the high ground in this situation. Yeah, yeah no, he definitely does. So, <laughs> Too bad he didn't say it. If he had said it, then maybe he would have chopped off Obi-Wan's legs, but... Um, as it was, Obi-Wan gets the better of him and chops him in half. And the thing is, if you haven't seen episode three, it's totally awesome, you know? Oh, yeah. Because I would argue that saying I have the high ground doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Right. And, like, the fact that that is what defeats Anakin after everything that they did in that battle is a little bit more ridiculous (laughs) than saying that Obi-Wan can't do this amazing somersault over yeah straight over him i mean he pulls himself up boom because for me i I think that maybe maul didn't realize that he grabbed that lightsaber you know maul is like oh there you go and then he's like what lightsaber like i thought i thought i kicked your lightsaber down the hole you know i'm darth maul you know i definitely had uh qui-gon's lightsaber as a kid um, I, had uh, that, I had that same style. I had so many lightsabers, dude. Although Qui Gon was like my number one Jedi for, for like the whole thing, mainly because I had a brother and he was Obi Wan, so I was Qui Gon. Nice. Uh, how did you like that with that? <laughs> anyway. that was, that's the way it was. Being the little brother, you're always like the same player. Other or player too. Yeah. Okay, so um, that's all I got for the last few battles. Um, anything else you want to note? Well, oh, as far as the battles go, yeah. um, no. Okay. I, think, I think we covered it. I, altogether, though, the climax of the film delivers. I, I think that it's, you know, this is supposed to be the most exciting part, and it's a unique kind of setup with having four different battles going on at once. Right. And I, I, as far as Star Wars movies go, I think it definitely delivers on the excitement factor. I, I agree. Um, it definitely keeps you engaged at that point, you know. It, it definitely could lose you earlier on, but at this point, it's like, it's simple, you know. Good guys versus bad guys. It's easy to see who's, who's what's going on. Yeah, they ditch the politics and get right to the to the action. Right to the good stuff. Um, so right at the end, Yoda is talking to Obi Wan. He's talking about um, like training Anakin and everything. And mm-hmm. Yoda actually says that he's afraid. Um, you know, which is interesting because he talks about the danger that fear leads to. Ah. Um. So and of course, you know, this is all a lead up to the fall of the Jedi. So um, maybe that's the first domino to fall. Well, I I just trust Yoda so much, dude. Like, I, I definitely don't agree with Qui-Gon. If Yoda ever told me, like, do this or don't do this, I'd be like, yes, sir. I, yeah. Like, he's so wise. And, it's, and old. And old, yeah. So he just, I don't know. I, I disagree with Qui-Gon. I agree with what Obi-Wan does because Obi-Wan feels like he maybe owes a debt to Qui-Gon or at least like he has to. Yeah. He has, I mean, it was his dying wish to, to train the boy. So exactly. You know, gotta do that. Right. Yeah. And Obi-Wan obviously, uh, was very endearing to Qui-Gon and this is very loyal and everything. Yeah. Right. Obi-Wan's definitely a very like moral person throughout all these movies. Oh, definitely. So it makes sense that he would do it, which I guess is a nice way to get around the whole, like you don't train Anakin. It's like, right. but I have to now. Um, Oh, the the last thing I have written down is um, what what Jake Lloyd says uh, right before the end of the movie, which is, "What will happen to me now?" <laughs> oh, if only you knew. First, you turn into Hayden Christensen, <laughs> you turn into the 
<laughs> three one of the three worst movies of all time. <laughs> well, I have a few more things that I think are actually kind of in support of this movie. Go ahead. First off, well, okay, well, this may not be specifically that, but Captain Panaka yeah. says to the Trade Federation as they're getting like arrested or whatever, he's like, I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. <laughs> and as a kid, I loved that line. I would like, that was like, like, I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. But I literally did not know what I was saying. That didn't, yes. I had no idea what a trade franchise was. Did, like, Kevin Panaka's got some stingers in this movie. I, I didn't appreciate him as much as, as I did this, this few last few times I watched it. I definitely um, had a Captain Panaka action figure, so I think I appreciated him. He, he's cool. <laughs> I, I like him. And he loses his eye later, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah, in the second one, I think. But anyways, uh, yeah, so that. And then uh, I also appreciated how uh, when they're at Qui-Gon's funeral, which first off, they gave him a funeral, which is cool. Qui-Gon deserved a funeral. Sure. And everybody's there. And a lot of the people there, I feel like, just pretended to be sad because they didn't know Qui-Gon. But uh, <laughs> also, everyone is talking around it. Because that's when that's when Obi-Wan turns to Anakin and he's like, the, what will happen to me now? Yeah. And stuff. But then you see master yoda and master windu talking right. to each other and they talk about like the sith they're, they're getting down to business always like, two there are right and he's like but which was defeated the master or the apprentice and then the camera pans across yes and, and, i love and that palpatine is in the, in the it's like there it is that's man. cool like, and like you don't i mean it's not clear at all that he is uh darth sidious at that point um, I mean, but but the profile shot is like a really good indication because you almost always see him in profile. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if there was any, if it, if it could have been any better of a clue, I don't think there, I don't think there could have been a better clue. That's what I'm trying to say. And then obviously, I like the the uh, just as a Star Wars fan, I like the parade at the end. The <laughs> I was definitely singing along too. Um, <laughs> Uh, apparently that is like a a sped up and slightly like different instruments version of the imperial march really i i, I can't recognize it but that's what someone told me hmm. so oh, I'm gonna have to take it, i might have to give that a listen after this yeah but i i like that as kind of happy ending you get you get a little bit of the, uh, the payoff it's like a happy ending for the the first movie right and boss nass you know, Peace. Yes. When he's holding up like the, the giant the glowing ball, ball. where is he gonna put yeah. that in his swamp? <laughs> uh, oh gosh. Okay, man. All right, I got one more thing to talk about, uh, which yeah. is uh, the fact that like, so the the original Star Wars um, is like you know this landmark c- cinema uh, movie, right? Like, not only was it one of the most you know. Um, you know, you know well-made movies of all time. It was it changed cinema history forever. You know, it created the the film franchise. It created like the the blockbuster in a lot of ways. I mean, there are other movies before it, but like this was like the you know Star Wars changed everything. And um, I really like. There's a lot of evidence out there about how it was made almost by accident. Like the way that George Lucas shot the movie and first envisioned the movie is not the way it, it ended up. Um, and there's this really good movie uh, uh, video on YouTube called How Star Wars Was Saved in the Edit, which is made by Rocket Jump, uh, which is really fascinating. And I definitely encourage everyone listening to, to um, investigate that if they're interested. Um, 
but they changed all these little things and they made things a little bit more clear and everything. Um, and George Lucas didn't have a, a large part in the editing process at that point. Obviously, later on, there were the special editions and everything that he had a big part in. Uh, but it was really, um, there were three people that were uh, really key on, on doing that, one of them being his wife, Marcia Lucas. Um, and, and they, you know, made the movie what it, we, we know it as today. Um, but as time goes on and as George Lucas becomes this more mythic figure, right, his vision becomes less and less distorted. You know, as he become, you know, becomes a legend, people are less willing to say, hey, this is kind of dumb. Um, and as a result, we get movies like The Phantom Menace. Um, because there's all these things in there that, like, there, I think there is a good movie somewhere in there, but it has to still be saved in the edit. You know, there's a lot of stuff that, uh, we, if we had the raw footage, I think people could make a better movie out of. Um, and not just through hindsight, just uh, just the idea of, you know, a more structured story with something that doesn't have such random and weird characters that don't contribute anything, like Jar Jar. Um, and maybe make the political things a little bit more clear, and maybe don't make the decoy and queen thing so confusing. Like, <laughs> like there's so many things that you could save, right? Um, yeah. And and as time goes on, and as George Lucas becomes a legend, um, people are will, less willing to tell him he's wrong, um, and you end up with mess. Sure. Which is kind of I, my whole thing. In. I think that the new Star Wars movies have given me a new appreciation for the prequels. Now, me I too. Think it, a little bit of it has been just going back and actually watching the prequels now that I'm older and a little bit more I have <laughs> capable of critical thinking. Yeah. But there, it's also just you, you still have him in these first movies. Like, th- these aren't the Disney movies, you know? Right. So it's, it's a different era of Star Wars, and it, with that it brings different aspects, but you can kind of appreciate the aspects that it does have that the newest ones Yeah, and, and like, it's, it's amazing. Like, you think about, like, the, how much recycled content there is in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi compared to the prequels, where, he, I mean, there's almost nothing, right? I mean, there's a couple of character designs that look similar, uh, there's references to other things and intertextuality things, but nothing quite as as like a carbon copy like the First Awakens is. Um, yeah. And you just kind of give credit to where credits due, and that is George Lucas and his like vision for an amazing galaxy. And I think that's like his strong suit, you know, is like this kind of overarching like world or universe that he's imagined. Um, the storytelling and like the Plot structures and stuff, maybe not his strong suit. Maybe he should leave those up to the talented individuals that he hired in the first place. Um, but the whole like v- incredible vision he had in the first place, it can't be denied. So I think, right. you know, it's not as simple as saying that, you know, George Lucas was what made these movies bad. I think it's that he did, he wasn't, um, he wasn't uh, checked as much as he could have been, you know? And you don't get that creativity uh, that you see in these movies that you do in the later movies, which I think is a real shame. Now, I agree. And just like overall, to kind of wrap this up, like now that I've seen this movie again, now I'm old, much older, Yeah. I, st- I still really like it. I-, I think there may be a little bit of rose-tinted glasses watching this and being like, oh, man, my childhood right here. But <laughs> at the same time, I... I just I enjoy the ride. I wouldn't. I, mean, a lot of I wouldn't watch this movie if it wasn't a Star Wars movie. That's how I feel. Like it's just like, is it makes my head hurt just thinking about it. And um and there's all these little things. You're just like like why why would you do that? Why does that? 
why is that in here at all? You know, um, and I, if I had, if there's an opportunity cost in anything, right? Say I have to watch, I would watch this movie over something else. I, I can't picture myself picking something else. Um, but you, you kind of have to watch it because this is a Star Wars movie. So like, uh, for that reason, um, I, I stick with it. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> it's not bad <laughs> enough to make me disown it. Be like, despite it being a Star Wars film, I. Okay, we I went like for a, a long time today. Uh, yes. I mean, we probably outlasted the movie, right? <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> About the right same time. That says uh, two hours fifteen minutes. So, and I never paused mine. So. Okay. All right. So let's wrap it up here. Yeah. All right. I hope you enjoyed our conversation about Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. One thing we forgot to mention in our discussion is there is a Wilhelm scream. It's in the scene where Padme and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, everybody, they're back in the hangar. They're retaking the palace. It's right before Anakin hops in one of the Naboo fighters. One of the Naboo pilots gets shot, and you hear the... The Wilhelm scream. So, anyways, hope you guys enjoyed this and uh, look forward to more.